That's a change. Welcome to the Complete Unnecessary <clears throat> Podcast for Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. That's Ian Ferguson enjoying March Madness. I'm Pat Contry. On the show today, we'll be talking about some, some fun doodads and, and doohickeys. Is that the expression? Doohicks. Yes, doohickeys. Uh, another video game on Pawn Stars. It's the quarterly uh, where we talk about that. Uh, talking about cheaters being branded in a game. The 3DS 10th anniversary just passed, and we'll talk about a Patreon poll topic and other stuff that you may find enjoyable, you may find boring. We're really trying to pull these podcasts together for you in a, in a, in a time of in a time of a time slow of news. Slow news. There's stuff going on, but people want to hear about stuff in our lives. Ian, it's it's not about the topics. It's about me. And you. So what did you do this weekend besides enjoy March Madness? I actually did stuff this weekend. I did enjoy March Madness. I watched some more games. Um, Unfortunately, Syracuse lost. <clears throat> oh, did they? Yeah, Syracuse lost, uh, and then the Beavers lost. Uh, I was I was kind of rooting for the Beavs. Uh, they they uh, Oregon State. Um, they were, I think, a twelve seed and should not have made it um, nearly as far as they did. They should not have made it to the uh, Elite Eight, which is where I think we were. Yeah, Elite Eight. I always have a soft spot in my in my heart for uh, Syracuse because that's uh, where from my fraternity we, they took us on our pledge trip. Mm. Which basically forced you to drink for like uh, four days. Yeah, and um, the highlights were I won't get. I did commit a crime there, like the only crime I ever committed. Nice. Um, wasn't caught. Almost arrested. Uh, that's all the conversation. Uh, but they took us to. Sorry to cut you off, Ian, because I'll never bring up Syracuse again. Um, there was a place in Syracuse. Maybe you know what it is, where it's like they give you a gigantic frittata, and if you can eat it, it's free. It's no, like, it was like I, a diner type of place. I'm talking. It was like four. It's like four pounds of food. <laughs> My only connection um, to Syracuse is actually that's uh, it's, it's uh, where my aunt went to college. Okay. I have many aunts too. It's just that's that that was the team that got me into college oh, basketball. The Orange Men, right? Yeah. Is that what it is? The Orange, yeah. Orange people. Just yeah, I think it's just the are Syracuse the, Orange at this point. Are the women in the tournament as well? Syracuse, the women tournament. I don't know if they were this year, honestly. Okay, they've been covering the women's tournament more this year uh, than usual to get more more parity. Uh, at least on the ESPN. I watched front. it a little two years ago, and honestly, I uh, I enjoyed it more than I thought. I try not to be one of those people who talks shit about women's basketball because everyone talks shit about women's basketball. I don't, I don't mind it. Uh, it's a different game, obviously. Um, but after after not enjoying the men's game that much, I I think I'm willing to give the women's uh, a try to see if it's more cohesive because there's some I don't, there's been some sloppiness. In, in these men's games, at least at least uh, the one I saw with with my, with my uh, with my ducks, my Oregon ducks, uh, there was sloppy play. Yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're trying. They're just they're just not world class talents. And this is the problem. Not to get into the offshoot. This is the problem that they face in men's basketball going forward. Is they don't have that requirement to go to college anymore. Or go to the NBA. A lot of these guys, a lot of these, the best talent are not going to be in college going forward. They're just going to skip and go to the NBA at eighteen or go play in Europe for a year. Like. The men's game is going to suffer for college going forward. Sure, but it just is. I mean, they were saying it's like, yeah, there's not a lot of like world class talent on these teams 
There's not like it used to be like there'd be like eight, ten guys in the tournament that you know, oh, these guys are definitely going to the NBA, are going to be stars. Not so much anymore. It's not like how it used to be back in back in our day. So they're going to have to figure that out or pay them to get them to stay in school. Yeah, there was one person that complained about us suggesting that. It's like, oh, well, they're getting that the whole they're getting that education. You see, the parody fuck is not the same. Off. Just That's, fuck off. The parody is not the same of like, oh, you're getting. You're getting your tuition versus we're making billions of dollars off of you. Like, there's just not close to. Being I parody. hate this bullshit that everything it's, has to be the same as it's always been. If things were hard yeah. for me, it's got to be hard for them. No, no, fuck off. The NCAA is making so much money off of these kids. Yeah, backs. they can they can they can trickle down some to the kids. I'm not even talking about they're not going to be millionaires. Give them like a, I don't know twenty grand or something per year. You know, or something. Give them some uh, profit share and some. If you're using the kids' name, they can, they should be paid. Like that's always bothers me. Uh. You're using the kids' names and selling selling uh, jerseys or putting them in video games, and they're still not making money. Selling off of fucking that. advertisements. That's yeah. where it comes down to. For it comes down or to put it, they put them on advertisements. They put them yes, on the advertisements. But you watch yeah. March Madness in the amount of ads that are sold during it, oh, and the true. athletes don't get paid. It's ridiculous. Eat my fucking ass if you think you are ever going to make a convincing argument to me about why <laughs> they should not get paid. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's not. Or they get an education because like college fucking education means anything these days. Well, it should in theory, but yes, it should. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, like... but it doesn't. I mean, yes, it should, but it it doesn't. I mean, How many people out there with college fucking degrees still can't well, get jobs? Depends upon your industry, but um, but no. Oh. I, I will say, wow, well, he's he's getting he's getting into uh, Michael Bay Ninja Turtles mode. All right, um, we're go- okay. What? Oh, I didn't mean to set you off like that. Ian. You've been like that set off in a, in a while. Um. I was gonna say, I just will say, I I my I lost my stomach for watching um, the event though, when like the announcers get super critical of their kids. They're like nineteen year old kids, twenty years old, and obviously they're trying their hardest. They don't have the skills of professionals. They don't. They can't make shots. They 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 have you know they don't have the they they have sloppy dribbles. They make dumb passes. They're kids though, and some of these commentators are so critical of them, and it's like they're kids. They're not getting paid. They're stu- they're like student athletes, and they're not going to play pie basketball again after this tournament. Some of them like this is it for them. This is their last hurrah. So, to, to, so yeah, that, you don't need to yeah. sound like a fucking disappointed dad. It's like oh, you got to watch the foot on the line there. It's like okay, sixty five year old analyst. This is a kid that's probably nervous. He's playing in front of millions of people watching TV. He he, come on, man. And that's where I, I think I lost my stomach. Maybe that's why subconsciously I can't get into it. And then they showed the kids crying on the sidelines after they lost. Like, I mean, close-ups of the kids fucking bawling. And I'm like, I don't need to see this shit. I mean, come on. I don't need to see this. I, I know it's emotional. I, I just feel... I felt I felt dirty. I just feel, kind of felt dirty. It, it's exploitative in all, in all aspects. That's how it felt to me. I mean, that's why I don't like it. I, I, it's, it's, it's exploitative on a lot of levels. I, 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 I mean, and I always say this. People always, you know, try to bring this up. It's, it's yeah. I hate everything Ugh. that surrounds it. I just like watching... The game. You know, like the pageantry. That's what I was talking about. I like the pageantry of the game. I like the. I just like watching the game of college basketball. Okay. I like watching kids with that approximate skill level play basketball. It's like if we were, if we did a pickup game, you know, almost. It's like no, Pat. toss the ball around. <laughs> you would get wiped by a Div <laughs> One kid. Um, <clears throat> I'm being facetious. Here. I know. No, watching me play basketball. No, we used no. to do a lot of pickup games. Uh, yeah, my teen teenage years. I was a good, good rebounder. I could box out, but I'm too small, and I got smallest hands. Smallish hands for a guy. I think I made a joke yeah, so to, to Norm once about 
about maybe doing like a, a, a pickup game at a convention. Oh, sometime. I totally would. Except half of us would probably get injured. Yeah, no, I, I, I would. I, I, I would. My shoulder would be thrown out, or my neck would be thrown out immediately. I've, I've, um, I've uh, sprained both my ankles to the point where they're impossible to sprain again because they healed uh, incorrectly. So, so the flexibility is gone. So I can't, I can't roll my ankles anymore. It's like impossible to mm. roll them. Um, and then my the major injury, uh, sports injury I had was it wasn't pickup, but it was intramural. Uh, I tore my ACL, intramural basketball, my freshman year in college, going for a rebound, and a guy knocked into me. It was basically the Clay, it was basically the Clay Thompson injury. Mm. He knocked into me. I landed on the one 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 leg only, all the way awkwardly, and there went my my ACL popped. So that's why when I see the Clay Thompson injury, it's oh I get it because that's that's what I went through was that, and that's a horrible recovery. Probably probably easier twenty years later. The sports medicine stuff has worked out a little bit more, but that wasn't fun. I don't talk about my injury much, but that was uh, that was not fun. Uh, that recovery that was a full year of recovery for me now you can get back in like seven months six months sometimes with, with like obviously if you're a professional athlete it's it's a lot better but yeah it's a tough one ACL ACL and, and the good old Achilles which the people are suffering now those are the two biggies <sighs> so what else did I do this weekend uh, played a lot of Monster Hunter oh. Monster Hunter came out on the Switch I love that series that's uh, behind on my Patreon writing, but that's what oh. I'm trying to do. I'm trying to put together like a, uh, a uh, maybe like a beginner's guide to it, since I've seen a lot of people who always want to get into Monster Hunter, but the first few hours you're playing Monster Hunter can be very rough. The game does not... It's not an overly complex game once you get into the actual gameplay loop of Monster Hunter, but they throw a lot of stuff at you early on lots of ins lots of outs lots of different ways yeah (laughs) there's different crafting you know different different quest lists and a lot of people just kind of in the pool a lot of people uh yeah bounce off of it pretty hard but it only takes a couple hours to get used to it and then it's really really fun but i have a feeling it's going to sell like crazy on the switch it was on the switch before this it was um but the one that they put on the switch before it was an enhanced version of one of the 3ds ones uh, generations ultimate called xx in japan um it's good i liked it but it was definitely it came out after monster hunter world came out for the playstation 4 the xbox one and the pc and monster hunter world really kind of modernized it a little bit made it um made some some big changes i think that helped people get into it big big changes big uh, big 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 uh big big changes but um the one that they put on the switch was an older style one that was harder i think for people to get into this is definitely more in line with world um a bit easier to get into but yeah there's still a learning curve um but yeah it, it, it's great i i've played far too much i i love making the armor for my little dog and my cat uh they fight, they, they fight with you? They, they, fight, they, with paw, you. they fight alongside the, with you. They you, paw at the, the monsters? You can ride the dog around. Um, How big's a dog? It's like a St. Bernard? It's, it's big. Big dog. Big, big dog. And never-ending uh, never, never, never story dog? And then Vani and I have been like catching up on TV. We finished watching Core the... Uh, I, wanted to, I almost said Core the Explorer. I was going to say, Core the Explorer? Is that a thing? Avatar uh, <laughs> the Legend of Korra, uh, which was really good. And then um, randomly we started watching... Uh, we watched the first few episodes of the um, of Invincible that just uh, was put on uh, Netflix, I believe it is. Invincible was no, it's the Prime, I think. Okay, could have been Prime. I yeah. No, I don't know. Whatever. I think it's Prime. I, th- I saw commercials before I fell asleep watching. Uh, I, I I watched the. I listened to the the waves. Mm. So sometimes there's ads. Prime Invisible. Let me say Invincible. Invincible. Yeah, it's on Prime. Okay, she fired it up. Um, 
actually pretty good so far. I, I enjoyed it. I never read the comic, but I am familiar with, uh, you know, Kirkman's work. I'm familiar with The Walking Dead. Um, it's kind of like a, so far it seems like kind of like a, you know, a, a teenage story. There's like some high school drama and stuff like that, but it's very, very violent. That's the thing about it. It, it, it doesn't... Like the boys? Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not quite the boys, but it doesn't shy away from the realities of superhero fighting. Okay. So it's got that Watchmen reality where if you really fought people, they would die. Basically. Yes, there's yeah. guts and there's blood, yeah. and uh, it's interesting. I, I think what I find interesting about it is not so much the story, because even though this is older, this was written, I think, 2002, 2003, the original comic. Um, it's interesting because the style they do it in is very bright. It's a very bright cartoon. It looks like... To me, it looks like those cartoon the the '90s superhero cartoons. It, it, it has it reminds me of the X Men cartoons and Batman the animated series Spider-Man's and Spider Man and yeah. um, it's kind of got a little bit of that style. So you're like, oh yeah, this is meant to look like something I watched but in the '90s. Violent. And then there's blood everywhere. Yeah. I think that's funny. Uh, uh, Brent uh, did a song uh, when Spider Man came. Spider Man game came out what two and a half years ago at this point. Just how you are murdering everyone as Spider Man. Uh, like if Spider-Man was really fighting these guys with the stuff he's doing, swinging around things with his web and crashing into people and doing these ridiculous spin kicks in people's heads, you would he would be knocking people's heads off. Like, well, it, it's, like it's like you have to be so restrained if you actually had these powers. You can't just go around punching people. You would you would crush their their faces in if you punch them. It, it's yeah. funny because you know the 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 difference like Vani and I just watched four seasons of of Korra finished it you know it was great but it's uh it's a kid show I mean it, this one was a little bit more mature in its themes than say Avatar the last Airbender was um, but this is the follow up it was a little bit more mature and you know it's a little bit more realistic about the realities of war and fighting and stuff but still like you just see entire ships get blown up and then it's like you know like G.I. Joe or whatever yeah. you know, the next scene everyone's just floating around you yes. know like <laughs> they're totally fine they, ju- they jump out of the Rattler the Cobra pot before it gets shot you know yeah uh, you know there's a guy who you know was basically trying to destroy the world and uh, you know in your head or in another show you're thinking oh this person's probably dead but then like they find out a few uh, you know a few episodes later uh, they can go be visited in prison <laughs> oh <laughs> like, great yeah, keep it, it light uh speaking of that did i did i mention wandavision i finally watched it did i say that oh yeah i, I he get, mentioned it to me i don't think he mentioned it to get the here. taste to get the taste out of my mouth uh, that's right i didn't mention it because we're running long uh, to get the taste out of my uh, out of my mouth after watching uh zach snyder's justice league which by the way the black and white version now you can watch with an alter i think they put an alternate joker uh take at the end or some bullshit anyway so WandaVision, uh, it, it w- was better than I gave it credit for originally talking about it. it. It was good. It wasn't just a setup for the future. They subtly referenced the future like, oh, basically, do you realize what you've done, Wanda? You've probably created, without saying it, you've probably created alternate realities now because now you're too powerful. Like right. they, they opened the door to the Doctor Strange movie next year. And I guess the Spider-Man movie that's coming out at the end of the year is also a multiverse movie. So like this is the subtle gateway to that. But... Boy, is it padded. I'm tired of them padding out these series. I, I, I bitched about that with Jessica Jones, how it was like four episodes too long originally. This was a 10-episode series. It could have been seven or eight episodes. It's like I, I, once you get to like episode seven or eight, it's like you can see it like they're just really dragging the damn thing out at that point. Mm. Hopefully, Falcon and Winter Soldier is not like that because the first two episodes have been fantastic. I mean, it looks like I was sort of as Wandavision, but this is like a, uh, it's a movie. It's like a movie broken up. It's like the effects are so good; these are would pass for a regular, you know, releasing a movie theater uh, for that. 
so I'm really into Falcon Winter Soldier so far. They release, well, I think, every Friday. <clears throat> so I think it's only six episodes, though, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. And Sharon Carter comes back this uh, this Friday. Haven't seen her. We haven't seen her since Civil War. They, they oh, wow. They toss her to the side. Remember, oh, she's making out with Cap. Now she's gone. They, you know, they kind of forgot about her because now it's weird going back to Peggy at the end of uh, at the end of Endgame. Spoilers. So th- th- she's back. She was always a good character. Yeah, I liked her in the two movies she was in. She was great in Winter Soldier, uh, and then in, in Civil War she shows up for uh, for that quick scene. So they got her back in the mix. And that's and that's our Disney Plus uh, recap of the week, which uh, our pal Andre usually does. He does. He gets paid to do it. We don't. Our, sh- <laughs> our streaming service update. Yes, our streaming service update. Updates. Speaking of updates, Ian, the Little Nemo Kickstarter. Congratulations to them. They they hit their Did seventy thousand uh, goal last night. I know they, they were very there. very close last uh, last night when I checked yesterday. They're at seventy almost seventy three thousand with forty one hours to go. So that'll close by what is that? Pat Math like Thursday. Uh, so if you want to get in on the, on the action, there you go. But they're going to make the game in, th- so in theory. Yeah, there you go. And they got this is a recent uh, Mega Rans doing the soundtrack. Oh, so, so I so, so I spoke, spoke to the director of the team, and he's like, "Oh, Mega Rand's actually a huge uh, Nemo fan, so he w- wanted to come on." I was like, "Wow, that's what all these Nemo fans that we didn't know existed are like coming together." I was like, "What? That's it's, great! All you guys out there coming together like this is this is our time. It's our time to give Nemo his due." So that's fantastic. So, just, so check out the Kickstarter if you want to get in on it, or otherwise, when it comes out, I'm sure you'll be able to buy it. Uh, when it, and when is it supposed to come out? They're looking at. Uh, it's uh, you're looking at a year and a half. You're looking at October of n- next year. It looks like, yep, October 2022. So there you go. You got about a good 18 months to go on that. Woo! Uh, there, real quick, there's a Howard Scott Warshaw article that came out on Wired um, by Jeremy uh, Bonner. It's an interview about him about um, pleading. Uh, n- excuse me, Jerry Bonner, not Jeremy. Uh, Howard Scott Warshaw pleads not guilty to killing video games. Talks about the infamous E.T. game, his new book, and why Steven Spielberg still hasn't called him back. I haven't gone through all the article, but I did not realize that Howard has a book out, a memoir that came out in December. I had no clue. Called Once Upon Atari, How I Made History by Killing an Industry. And it's only $10 on Kindle or 15 on paperback. And Howard is one of the nicest guys on the planet. Uh, I've, I've, I've weirdly got to know him over the years, like seeing him once every like two years at conventions. And I, and I first met him at the AVGN shoot in the desert back in, my God, that was 2011. That was 10 years ago. Jeez That's when I first met the man. Uh, he's moved on to, into, uh, uh, he's like a family therapist and he helps people like that. He's obviously out of the video game industry, but he still comes back to like Portland every year or two. He'd come back and show up. And like I said, he's the nicest guy in the world. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, it's probably very interesting. Uh, there. Uh, Once upon Atari, how I made history by killing an industry. St- uh, Spielberg, give him a call back. Come on, it wasn't his fault. You you want to do too much, uh, Stephen? He he famously said once. Uh, Stephen gave his vision of the game, and then um, Howard responded. I think sort of bluntly, like, uh, "Oh no, it was the opposite." Uh, he gave the vision of the game to Steven Spielberg, and Spielberg responded, "Can't we just do like a Pac-Man thing?" Yeah, <laughs> but Howard had this grandiose, more grandiose vision of it. Then he's got to find out, oh, you got to do the game like in six weeks. And it's like, what? Okay. <laughs> we got to get it out for the holidays and, and disappoint millions of children. <laughs> we got to do that. Um, there's an update as well on the Sony store closures we talked about last week. Yes. Update. God, that's twice. Um, so basically the closures are happening. Um, 
the this link does not give me the exact dates that I was really hoping that it was going to give. Oh, okay. Um, however, uh, some important things to yeah, I was hoping this was the bullet pointed list. There are some so they are closing in July. Uh, I believe is the PS3 and PSP uh, a little bit later for Vita. Um, from what they are saying, at least for right now, sales will stop, but games will still be able to be games that you have purchased will still be able to be downloaded after the fact. So the servers will still be running to download them. Yes. You can't get new games. So as gotcha. of right now, um, this is not like you know when the Wii Shop went offline and that was yet. it done done this at least you still have the um you know the buffer so if well, that's you, good if you I mean, own the games you can still download them yeah. it's going to be interesting because it, it's something we, we we talked about last week and i don't i you know i missed it because i was literally just focusing on games but um you know the ps3 and the 360 are really the first systems that are just super super server dependent uh-huh um, in terms of, you know, updates for games and things like that. You know, a game like Fallout New Vegas was released, you know, super broken and does not play properly until you download that first patch. So they've got to kind of figure out a way to keep that stuff up. Otherwise, you're going to have entire systems that are just useless. Uh, so here's the dates. July 2nd for uh, closing the store on PS3. Um, and then for the handhelds, it, uh, for Vita, it's August twenty second, August twenty seventh. So you get another uh, almost two months to do it. Is PSP uh, closed with the PS three or with the Vita? Um, it's not on this this listing here. I'm assuming it'll be the same for PSP and PS three since they're the older ones. Yeah, maybe? I think so. Uh, and That's from what, what I read, the web said. stores are already gone. They already shut those down. So like you, you should be able to like access things on the web store uh, in a browser. Those are gone. They already shut those. It's only through the console now. Gotcha. You can get it. Because people were talking about that on Twitter. It's like, well, if you want to ch- even check out like a trailer for something, the listings for those games are already like gone off the web. So it's like, okay, well, who's doing that anyway? But it's just, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. That's where we're at. But going forward, this is going to be the norm. Uh, not our norm, but the norm. Who I caught on the phone yesterday. Norm's doing well. Hey, Norm. He, he gave me the skinny on the new ep- next episode coming up. I won't, I won't spoil that for you. Oh, yeah. Got the inside skinny there. Uh, speaking of patches, which was a nickname that only one kid in grade school gave me for some reason, he called me Patch and tried to make it stick. I don't know why he called me Patch because I like, guess Pat Patch. Yep. It, was, it was literally one kid that said, "Hey, you're Patch." Hey, Patch, and I'm like, his name was David. I'm like, I'm like David. Like, why do you call me Patch? Oh, it's like the name for you. I'm like, I don't have one eye. I'm not a po- like. Anyway, that's what brought me back. There's there's a, there's a giant patch for Cybersunk, Cybersunk, Cyberpunk. Cyber Skunk could be a nice Cyber, game. Cyber Skunk. Cyber, Cyber Skunk, Skunk would be like a 3DO game. Um, yes. Cyberpunk had a massive 33 gigabyte or so patch come out yesterday, an update patch. And I was talking to Ian before. Not, like On my phone, I couldn't scroll through it. it was, it's hundreds, hundreds of items that they've updated, individual mission uh, things, uh, bugs. Uh, and then at the end, it's like, oh, here's the updates for making sure that we can, you can basically play the game better on a, a past console. It's at the end. It probably doesn't fix it 100%, but this is probably where they should have been back in December when they release the game. For the amount of things I saw, Ian, mm-hmm. that was like common sense. Well, the NPC character is dead, but it's, it's still moving around. Like, these are like major bugs. These aren't just like random things, a lot of this. So, there you go. Well, hopefully it has a life past like No Man's Sky didn't people enjoy it and, and enjoy it. But my God, they couldn't wait till like now to release the game. They couldn't just wait like four months. Yeah, give me the profits now. Well, I want I mean, them now. Yeah, they had already delayed it, and I, you know, I don't think there. 
They were breathing down their neck. Got to get it out. Those those stockholders. Um, yeah, that's about it. I won't forget about you at, at ultimatenintendo.com. I won't forget to send you books, enamel pins, RBI baseball stickers. I sold a couple yesterday, if you so please, uh, right there. Ian's excited about that. Did you have a sticker? Do you want to put one on? Oh, yeah, so there's no room on the back there. Nah, no room anymore. Yeah, sorry about that. So, um, it's a good game. I'll be on, I'll be on Twitch. Uh, it's been every Wednesday, almost a year, Ian. I think we're coming up to week 50 tomorrow, I believe. Wowzers. Uh, Twitch.tv slash country code. I usually begin around roughly 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific or 4.30 Pacific. I go for two and a half hours. And people have fun. I, I, I figured out how to make a, a, the emotes, those emotes, and they're fun. And Ian will never stop in. It breaks my heart. Oh, and on Cameo, cameo.com slash patcountry. I'll give you a shout out, a hello. I will not show you my feet. Now now I'm getting people, uh, I got one person who sent me a request saying, Pat, I will not ask to sh- you to show your feet, but request something. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's a thing. Um, did you see that, that some sort of the Suicide Squad trailer, Ian? I did, and I don't remember anything about it. It, it, it entered one eye, it entered my uh, eyes and left out my ears. Uh, but I mean, it looks okay. It looks good. I think it looks fun. You got a good director. You got uh, John Cena's massive arms in the trailer. Holy shit. John Cena's always amusing to watch in movies. My coworker and I were talking about this the other day. Uh, a lot of times wrestlers are like make pretty good like actors. The fun actors to watch. Roddy Piper was fun to watch he as was. an actor. Uh, the Rock has always been fun to watch as an actor. I mean, nothing but, special, but fun. Uh, and John Cena, is, it seems like he's got a, a decent a decent knack for comedic timing. The B- Blockers was a good movie. Did you see that? No, I did not see that. That's a really good movie. Yeah. And like, I know it, you liked it. Um, it was surprising because it, it, it took the perspective of losing your virginity, but from, from high school girls, not boys. Right. And it, he was, it was, was a Ike, uh, Ike Fahrenholtz. John Cena was the, the second uh, father, and I forget the third off the top of my head, but it was surprisingly good and well-written. It had some heart. It was an R-rated comedy, but there was some heart to it. That came out, what, like three, four years ago? I, I've lost track of time. But Cena, Cena to me is a good actor because he's willing to, the expression, uh, you know, show ass. It's like he's willing to look like a buffoon in the movies. Yes. Something The Rock is not done nearly to the extent, especially the past years. But anyway, so yeah, they bring back, uh, what was it, Rick Flagg, Harley Quinn's back. Um, you have Amanda Waller. It was that Viola Davis, who was good in the first one, from I remember. The first one's a bad movie. Um, so, And then you have the boomerang guy, who was Jai Courtney, I think is his name, Jay Courtney, who was actually pretty funny in the first one. So there's like 20 characters, so a lot of them are going to get killed probably, which is part of the Suicide Squad, right? It's like they're like yeah. C-list villains, B and C-list villains that come together to save to save the world or to do a mission, which is a good... Con- it's like the Dirty Dozen, but supervillains. That's basically what it is. It's a good idea. No, it's a great idea. The first movie was this horrible. And they show this King Shark character eating people in the trailer. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so they're, they're leading into the goofiness of some of these yes. villains. And then instead of Will Smith back, um, they were going to originally recast with Idris Elba, but Idris Elba's like, I don't want to take Will Smith's place. So they basically made a different character called Bloodsport. Yes. It's his name. So, but it's basically it's like the what the Deadshot character. It's kind of like the, he has guns and stuff. But so you got you got Idris in there. You got a good cast. You got the guy who was the last uh, Doctor Who in there. I forget his name. You got yeah. It's a good. It's a really good cast. I can't say I'm excited for it, but I will definitely watch it and give it a shot. Yeah, when you look at the people in it, Michael Rooker's in it. Yeah, it's got yeah, it's, it's tons the of cast. It, the uh, cast is what has made me want to watch. Taika Waititi, uh, the director's in it. Uh, I'm looking at the names of some of these people. Uh, Joel Kinnaman's in it. Yeah, there's a lot. There's, there's some heavy hitters in here. Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live's in it. 
somehow. He's probably a minor role. Uh, I can't remember what character I, he's I, playing. I can yeah. picture him getting offed. I don't picture him surviving the whole movie. Uh, you know, so anyway, it, uh, Nathan Fillion's in it, really? Yeah. I didn't see him in the trailer, unless he's just doing a voice of someone. Yeah, so there you go. Fun times. Oh, you know what I wanted to say, and I didn't, about Invincible, speaking of voices? You know who I just recently realized does... Um, voice acting and is really good at it uh let me just see if i can find it the guy who uh the guy the guy who played um jj in the spider-man movies and jk simmons yes and he was the not yes and he was uh, a one of the nazis in oz that's what i know him from jk simmons does a lot of voice acting apparently oh, i yes. didn't even know he was uh the voice of a main character in um legend of Korra. Okay. And I really liked that character, and I didn't even know until the series ended that he did the voice. And I found out because he does a voice in Invincible. He's like one of my favorite voice actors. Holy you, shit! You didn't I, realize it. I didn't realize it was him. Was that voice like this? So it's you know. It was yeah. Someone had that. like posted a picture of like Tenzin JJ, um, uh, the character from uh, Invincible, and someone else. And I was like, holy fuck! I had no idea these were all the same people. Um, and and of, more, most importantly, Ian. He was Commissioner Gordon in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Most uh, importantly. I, yeah, I heard that. I had no idea. And I remember at the time, which is only one scene in the movie, by the way, but he got in shape for the movie. I remember the time he got ripped to be in the movie. Like, he got, he's got, like he's in his 60s. He got ripped for that. And let's tell him, like, he why is, is Commissioner Gordon getting ripped for this movie? He doesn't need to. He is a muscle-bound grandpa. Yeah. I walked past him one time. He, I've not... I've Other people have had run-ins with Hollywood celebrities. I never have. I, I haven't had one. But the one time I did, where I was, I almost said hi to him. I didn't want to bother him. Um, it was a Jim Gaffigan show over here. It was like nine, eight, nine years ago. And uh, you get out of your seats. It's by, on the bay over here. And you, you get out and you walk out. I'm walking out of our seats. It was an outside, outside uh, venue. He's just sitting on the on the end, like sitting like this, like just waiting for everyone to leave. He probably knows Jim Gaffigan. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like looking. I'm like looking down. Like who's this ball guy? I'm like, holy shit, that's J.K. Simmons. He's literally like where you like closer from me and you. Like, he's like, I'm walking past, I'm like, I'm like, what am I going to say to him? Hey, you're awesome, and then go. So I didn't say anything. But he was just smiling, and, you know, no one was noticing him, though. He kind of looks very specific. No one was stopping. It's like, holy shit. Like, I was a surprise. Weird. Do you want me to spoil uh, Far From Home for you? No. Mm, I'll, maybe I'll, uh, sure, I don't care. Okay, well, J.K. Simmons comes back as J. Jonah. Oh, nice. That's but, awesome. But I won't tell you the spin about how he comes back. Okay. I'll, I'll leave that for you. But it's a clever spin. So they, so they brought the same character back on different elegy. Go see, go see Far From Home, Ian. It's a good movie. God, I can't wait for that third one. If Tobey Maguire's really in it. I'm like, I'm like, that's the only nostalgia trip I want to get on. End, end that character properly. Sure. End, that, end that set of movies properly. The Andrew Garfield stuff, yeah, sure, whatever. But end those movies properly. That third movie was such... Probably the biggest letdown in my, in my cinema life was Spider-Man 3. <laughs> I walked out numb. I wasn't even mad. I was just like, I was like what? They, they like... They screwed that up, especially because the second one was so. Oh my god, so it's good. excellent! Just, on, on Twitter the other day, was, uh, one yesterday. of those rare situations where the sequel is like better than the oh, original. It was, oh, it was, it was fantastic! Spider Man Two is one of the top five superhero movies. I, I, I didn't make my list. People were asking, "What was your Mount Rushmore of superhero movies?" Like Spider Man Two would be on it. I put the original Superman on it because of how important it was. People don't go back to it, but it's it's fucking awesome. I don't know what I'd have. Uh, Spider Man Two and Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier be on there. Maybe X Men Two. It's up there. Was pretty good. It's, it's, it was really good at the it's time. Good. Anyway, you want to do a do-it-yourself GBA arcade kit, Ian? Oh yeah, we saw this something. <laughs> 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 
don't want to talk about it? Okay, you don't have to. Um, I was looking at I mean, it's neat. It, it's neat, but I just, I don't think it would actually be very comfortable to play. <laughs> so, so what is it? It's like, um, it's it's like little pieces of like wood you put together? It looks like little particle or cardboard that you, you pop out, kind of like a Labo. Um, I love stuff like this. Uh, it It's fun to build. It's fun to make. And I think it looks cool. I just, I think it's more of like a way to store your Game Boy Advance SP because I can't see it as being particularly fun to play that way. So this person's selling it, Retro Joy Gaming on Twitter. They, is he selling them? Oh, what? It said it only about six years. I first came up with the idea. Uh, the first kit went out yesterday, so yeah, it's ready to go. It's in a package. It's like it looks like it's shipped flat. You get stickers to put on it. What a great idea! I mean, you're the Game Boy guy, and it looks because it's set up for it because this the screen swings out, so yeah. it's set up like an arcade. I think it looks really it's really adorable. Cool. I, yeah, I just I oh, and he's playing. Play he's playing your favorite arcade game in the picture, Double Dragon. He's playing in the picture. No! He's playing, it looks like the NES Double Dragon in the picture. Um, and then on the marquee, it says Nintendo, and then it's on the side, there's like, there's like, like 80-ish, like the stripes, three yeah. stripes. It mm-hmm. looks adorable. It does look What a great nice. idea. I, I, I want to, I'm now interested in seeing what this costs, if he sells uh, this, uh, what the cost would be, but this is sort of brand new. There. Um, uh, what's also brand new, uh, yet to be released, is the Intellivision Amico. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's set to come out uh, 28% chance. I think, believe I gave it, I gave it 28% or 32, 28% chance on October 10th, 2021. So they had an impromptu, uh, public showing at the National Video Game Museum in Frisco, Texas. No masks, just a bunch of sloppy assholes all not wearing masks. S- some people had masks, but Tommy Tallarico was not wearing a mask. Um, a couple of other people were not wearing masks. Uh, Stuttering Craig showed up without a mask. And I'm not trying to mask shame people, but you gotta be a little bit smart. Just a little bit. And it's just common courtesy. You know, I don't want to hear, oh, I had the vaccine, I'm fine. I mean, it's cool, common you can courtesy. still spread it. You just don't get it. You can still carry it. It's it's just just common courtesy. Just don't be a fucking... Just don't do it. I know in, I know in, in Texas, not to get off the topic, Texas is now optional. The governor says it's optional to wear a mask uh, there. But just come on. We're like four months away from almost everyone getting vaccinated at, at this rate. Four months. It's like we've done it for this long just mask up for like three four five more months and we should be in the clear once we get everyone with the vaccine but whatever that's not the point Uh, Uh, i would just like to say that if you're tired of our spicy takes on uh uh, wearing masks because they're very spicy very controversial uh uh, fuck off yeah it was weird someone someone said that like oh stop talking about politics in your in your videos like we haven't talked about politics since the insurrection stop watching me but but stop uh, paying attention to me mask is not a political issue it's a science issue and it's a public public uh, health safety issue. It has nothing to do... So if you believe that has something to do with politics, that says more about your worldview than ours. Yeah. If you think we've talked about climate change or anything else has anything to do with politics, it really doesn't. It doesn't. So, sorry. Getting off the topic to- topic there. But anyway, so they, they set up uh, an Amico. I think they had three or four controllers. There's some, some uh, YouTubers, including ones that have attacked us personally, that put out videos, so I will not say their names or reference their videos for you to check out uh, because they're asshole people. Um, but from those those videos, you you gathered a few things. But first off, why do this? Well, their, their round of, pu- of public funding on Republic goes off in two weeks on April 15th. So uh, Tommy had like in the background, you can see like a professional videographer there. They're trying to pump up pump up to get get the, the last funding going that's why they're doing this there's no reason to hold a public event like this this far out especially in, in this sort of uh 
this sort of environment uh, like this on short notice. But they're trying to get squeeze every little last uh, drop of blood out of the investors that they can. And don't worry, we'll we'll get into the investing at some point. We never talk about the investing and how bad it is and the details. That's on a rainy day. We're going to do that. But they showed off uh, some games there. They showed off uh, a few controllers. It was being played on the the GTO Red version of the console. And you know how we like these consoles that have multiple colors. That's such a great, great, great idea. Definitely necessary. So what 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 are the takeaways here? What what were your takeaways after after looking at a little bit this? Did you have any main takeaways? My um, my main takeaway, something that I thought was interesting, um, was that the two games that were shown. that were determined... Uh, well, I think there was probably more, but the, the Dino Blasters and Rigid Force Redux... Yeah, they showed several games. They showed several games. Um, they showed Skiing. They showed... Um, they didn't show Cornhole, I don't think, which we'll get into. But. Skiing, we've seen before. Sure. Um, but Dino Blaster and Rigid Force Redux are not um, exclusive games. Not by... I mean, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so... It, What's I want to know what the state of the games that are being made for the Amico that are truly exclusive. I want to know what the state of those games is. It's interesting to lean on games that already exist for other platforms. Because if you didn't know this, uh, Dino Blaster is not um, an exclusive to Amico. As much as they love to say everything is an exclusive, you can go to the Dino Blaster website and you can clearly see that they are throwing this game at um, literally everything. App Store... Uh, Amazon, Google Play, Switch, uh, Mac App Store, available on Windows, Xbox, and Steam, and Amico. So there's nine ways you can play this game. There'll be nine uh, different platforms to get this game. Yeah. So that's not exclusive. Uh, the ones that are definitely will be exclusive, though, are the ones that uh, uh, certain uh, German developers are doing from the Bavarian grant money we, we referenced about. Like they, they helped get these produced, like the skiing and Shark Shark they showed there. So there are ones that are probably, are probably close to finish because they had money to work on those like, right. over like a year and a half ago. Uh, but you're right about the ones that were specific. So, uh, so two things I'm going to talk about here uh, real quick about what they didn't show. I wanted to see motion controls being shown on the, on these games because that's one of the, 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 the sort of the leanings on this is that we want to replace the Nintendo Wii. Uh, we want you want to be able to play cornhole. Like cornhole is going to be a packing game. Right. I want to see that functioning. I want to see the motion controls functioning for a game like that. Yeah, we have yet to see any of the um, supposedly uh, you know game changing uh, things you can do with this controller. Yeah, that make certain games only playable with this controller. Yeah, I didn't see any of the interactive light stuff to be like, oh, a game, whatever. We know that's going to be tacked on for maybe the Bomb Squad game, and they'll, they'll try to figure out. But I want to see the motion controls. That's a major component Sure, something like this. I uh, didn't see that. Uh, and then the other thing I was going to say, uh, based upon two games, there, there was two games clearly uh, shot by a YouTuber um, with the controller in the shot at the same time you see the screen going on. So, you know, we brought up the thing called uh, called lag uh, that the system had clearly on the Astro Smash video from uh, months back and then the Finnegan Fox one uh, infamous, infamously, uh, what was that, like six to eight weeks ago, where uh, people were trying to, to deny, but then Tommy even said he was trying to troll Ian and me by flipping the controller. So I wanted to see if there was lag still here. And boy, is there lag still on this controller. Uh, and if you frame step this, this is a 30 frames per second video. If you frame step this, you can see in two uh, two games. In Dyna Blaster, you can see it, and you can also see it in the Rigid Forest Deluxe. In Dyna Blaster, uh, it is clear as day. 
that when the person moves, it's a delayed reaction. And most importantly, uh, how you can tell something has lag. Well, what happens when your finger comes off the controller enti- entirely, if you want to be technical? There's points in time when the finger comes off off the controller, the character still walks down after the person's hand is off the D-pad. It is clear as day. It is not a conspiracy. Either you believe us or you think we're lying. That's what it comes down to. Or believe your own eyes when it comes down to it. There is still an issue uh, with the lag when it comes to this uh, controller. And on Rigid Force Deluxe, Ian was looking at it, I was looking at it, Ian, you were going to give the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the shooting uh, on there. But what I was seeing when the finger... First of all, using the touchpad to shoot is going to be an awful experience uh, to use, not using a face button, using the, the, the touchpad. When the thumb comes off the uh, off of the, uh, the, 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 the... Basically, I guess it's a fire function, the finger comes off of it, it still fires for about 10 frames afterwards. Ian, you, you said on some games that, that though, you're giving the benefit... There, uh, some games, when you fire, function. it fires off a a whole salvo of, of bullets. Sure. I mean, I'm, a lot of top-down shooters do it, particularly. But I also looked at the movement. Ian, if you want to look at it as well, I'll point out the movement as well. And I, I put together a little video for us to look at. Um, there's a, there's part of, of the video where, notice, uh, go, frame step it at like four seconds in. When the, when the ship goes to the top left of the screen, uh, it kind of floats up to the top left of the screen. You can clearly see the user's thumb is on the bottom right pad. It's at about four to five seconds in on this video. And the ship just floats to the top. You see that? Mm-hmm. I saw it earlier when you were... I mean, yeah. it's plain as day. The ship floats up to the top left, and the person is not pushing to the top left at all. I mean, at all. It's clearly eight to ten frames behind. It's not matching up. The movement's not, not matching up. And you're saying, well, if you can't tell in fast motion, what's the big deal? You'll tell when you play the game. Oh, sure. Playing, it, playing shooters with any uh, amount of lag is extremely difficult. You can't do it. You have to be precise. Um, so this goes back to the fact of they got to clean this up. I don't know if they can. If they, if they haven't cleaned up by this point in time, and we are three, just over three months away from this being put into production to, to reach October, I don't know how you can show this, even for investors, if it's in this state. Obviously, shooting around it. I'm sure Tommy's not pleased with videos like this being put on YouTube. I'm sure if, if he had his druthers, he would say, I don't want to show this because this shows this in an unfinished state. And it is in, a, in an unfinished state. So that's all I'm going to say. I don't know if they have the, the manpower and the expertise in order to basically... Basically, what they got to do is write their own proprietary... If you're talking to people and experts, people above my pay grade, uh, you have to write your own proprietary sort of uh, tech in order to have a controller like this, not have significant lag... With, with the with the game console because what's ha- what's happening here is you're running Android out of the box Android right. and you're running not just one uh, OS you're running two OSs communicating with each other you're right you're, you have one on the console and one on the controller running independently that in- that forces more lag than you would want someone like Nintendo with like the switch communicating they, they, they are, they're a company with the manpower and, and know-how in order to write their own code in order to minimize lag this company obviously has is not not there so i don't know if this is easily solved or not they got they got six months six months to figure this out to ship this because in this state uh if you think we're being harsh if you think ign or GameSpot gets a hold of a console with 10 frames of lag they will rip it apart for a game that requires twitchy uh movement they will say they'll straight out say these games will be unplayable and that'll be the end of it you won't you won't get a second chance. Am I being crazy? Uh, no, no. I just want to make sure. I'm like 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 am I crazy when it comes to that? It's bad. 
I mean, this is why, uh, you know, pretty much anything dissenting or asking hard questions is removed from the Intellivision Amico. I, I get more and more, not just insulted, I feel more and more bad. Um, I feel bad. I don't feel bad for the people on YouTube who are ignoring these things for whatever reason, whether they think that um, staying in Tommy's good graces is a benefit to their career. It won't be. He'll toss you out as soon as he's done with you and doesn't have any use for you anymore. Um, but um, I feel bad for the people that honestly want to get a console and put down their pre-order money that actually want something that's going to be working and it's going to be fun and it will not be abandoned within a year or, or two after it comes out. I don't want people to be taken for a ride to put their money in. And and to be honest, and that's that's where I, I sort of turn back to. I feel bad for those people, those people that aren't paying attention to any of this stuff. They're not they're not realizing the state that this is in. Sure, they're not on social media. They're not following the you know the the seven to ten interviews that Tommy does per week on YouTube. And I, I might be undercounting that for some weeks. The people that are normal and and balanced and aren't involved with this as a profession or as a hobby that just said oh i saw this in television thing i had that back when i was six seven eight years old i want to get the upgraded one i think it might be fun and they're going to get a potentially a shit product those are the people i feel bad for those are the real losers uh when it comes down to this the investors are going to lose as well but that's a whole other conversation and then the investors some of them should know better but that's a whole other conversation uh when it comes down to it so yeah so if you want to play a Dyna Blaster or a Rigid uh, Force uh, Redux, uh, go play it on a, a console or a platform where you will not be experiencing issues, and that'll definitely uh, be in your hands sooner. You can get Rigid Force right now on Switch. Play, you, no need yeah. to wait. You can get it right now. If you really want to play Dyna Blaster, I mean, there's a billion Bomberman games out there. Dyna Blaster uh, is literally just a, a Bomberman clone. I've also yet, nothing special. By the it. way, the, the third thing I forgot, I, the, the other thing I've, I've yet to see is I yet, I've yet to see in the co-op on all these games. So they showed skiing being demoed. What is the co-op on the skiing game that you, you can't experience elsewhere in a game like that? I haven't seen it yet. Sure. Can I, can I t take control of a, a bondable snowman and come after you, like in that old Microsoft free, uh, the free game you talk about, the free skiing game? Free, ski free. By the way, there's a lot of free skiing games out there or cheap games that look great, by the way, that you can go get. Uh, for Rigid Force, unless it's two players simultaneous on the screen, which we haven't seen, what's, what's the co-op going to be? On that, what are the what are the what are, what are the because these aren't exclusive games anymore. What are the exclusive features that we're going to get that's going to make this a mind blowing two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollar experience that you can't get somewhere else? Love to spend two hundred and fifty dollars on a console so I can play the Hydrox version of Bomberman. <laughs> the Hydrox Bomberman. Well, that's funny because Dino Blaster was the European name back in the day because I guess they couldn't use Bomberman because of the it, they toned down the violence on it. But like, it's not. I think it's not a Konami project so what's the point right it's 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 the hydrox hydrox barman that's good ian but hydroxes to me were always better than oreos they were the og you disagree point is made you can come after us for that not 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 anything else not not us inserting our politics hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, Ian. Um, every four or five months now, we're talking about, uh, or three or four months, a Pawn Stars segment, the show we know and love, 
where a graded uh, video game or sealed video games come up for sale. This is the, now the third time in about a year uh, we have seen this happen. So first, it was the Super Mario Brothers. Uh, it was the was it the second print run version sticker seal uh, where they wanted he wanted a million dollars for it. Uh, Rich the the, the uh, investor slash uh, collector, which was famously bought by a trio of folks, and we always said there's probably collusion between uh, WADA and Heritage Auctions, and that probably was part to help jumpstart this. And then they had the three. The three or four uh, sealed, uh, it was like the Parker Brothers, uh, Atari 2600 games, uh, Frogger, Indiana Jones, and there was like one or two others at the top of my head, that there wasn't a sale, sale completed. And that was the son on the show who said at the time that, well, this is kind of crazy right now with the prices. I, I, it could be a little out of control. I don't want to get into this. Well, that was thrown out the window in this latest segment with the Pawn Stars uh, graded seal Mike Tyson's punch out. Uh, so in this segment, uh, you had uh, a collector come in who said that he mainly collected PS1 games but acquired uh, this uh, from the original owner who was a, a, a regional manager at a Kmart. The sticker was still on it. And he comes in with a 9.4 graded sealed Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, the original uh, Nintendo game. And my, o- my overview before getting the details is that this is not the cautionary uh, tale that the last... Uh, Pawn Stars appearance was where it's like let's take a step back let's be careful something happened uh, in the past few months between this where it was all uh, balls to the wall uh, oh yeah this is definitely worth tens of thousands of dollars and everything's hot right now and it was a very FOMO driven segment of Pawn Stars yeah it seemed like it, the tone was just very very different we um, applauded the tone of the last one like they're being cautionary and being reasonable yeah I don't know if it was just the game um, you know, sets because of the the title, it sets something off. But um, yeah, they uh, there was definitely more excitement. I I, I think, uh, and it seemed a little. I don't know, like I said, it was just weird to see the the difference between the la- the last segment and this segment. It was more of a commercial than even even yes. the, even the, the first segment with Super Mario Brothers. Yes, it felt like a commercial. Um, so some of the quotes I got uh, from from our pal Chum, who was this. Uh, the, the vendor behind the counter. While everyone was playing Super Mario and Donkey Kong, I was playing Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Not the nitpick, but no one was playing Donkey Kong on the NES. It, not many people had that game. It was all about Mike Tyson's Punch-Out and Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, everyone played uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Yeah, it was, it was a, it's a very common game. Uh, almost every kid that had an NES had it. They, they, they had a thing on the screen that said it, said it sold 3 million. I don't know if they picked that from Wikipedia or not. I'm like, that's probably accurate. It was probably something like that. Sure. We're talking millions of, of kids had it. Um, and, and Chum said, I know games are hot right now, especially from the early 90s. Everyone who was playing video games at this is at this point where they want to start collecting the stuff they grew up with. Um, but that's, well, real quick, Ian, I was questioning the early 90s thing, and I, I couldn't wrap my mind around that. Because early nineties, uh, in your estimation, is not the it's not the hotness. It's it's after that. But no, I feel like that's already moved on a little bit. I feel uh, like it's probably more like N sixty four GameCube. I, I feel late nineties, like early two thousands, late 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 nineties, early two thousands is where we're at right now. That's because all of those people are now twenty. I mean, if you those, where we were ten years ago, yeah, they're twenty. They're in their they're between twenty five and thirty. That's what they grew up with. That's what they're buying. Yeah, so that's that's weird. Um, and this is why. The grading uh, scene is is always not about game collecting, because if they were really in on on collecting what you grew up with, they would have bought these graded games. I don't know, ten years ago, 
because that's when they grew up with it. Sure. In in 2021, you're a little bit past the prime of the collecting scene with this. It doesn't match up. It never did. And that's what it comes down to, is that it's not game collecting anymore. It's something else. Right. It's it's a totally, it's a diversion, a a subset of a subset. It's investment collecting. I mean, the guy who had this couldn't even pretend to act like he knew anything about the game. To his credit, he said he's into PS1 stuff. He's probably a little younger. He probably looked like he was in his early 30s. Sure. uh, Maybe. But I left a comment on the channel uh, about... It's apropos that... um, Like, Chum is like... Probably already... He's probably like 40. He's like... uh, Character of the game, like, Glassy Joe. Is that his name? And then the seller responds quizzically, I think so. So I just think it's really funny or case in point that a game worth you're trying to get tens of thousands for you don't know like almost anything about you don't know the first iconic boxer of Mike Tyson's punch out not even tens of thousands trying to get a hundred thousand for this so that's what case in point that it's not about the it's not about the games the game is is inconsequential when it comes to seal collecting it doesn't matter right it's a token what what who made the game the game significance uh, by and large the history of the game how the game plays they will. Some of these collectors would not be able to tell you. Oh sure, they won't. They don't care. They just know. Okay, it's hot. It's worth money. It's an investment, and that's it. That's where it begins and ends. And it's a shame. It's a shame because uh, again, you you take sort of the, the entertainment and artistry out of it entirely. At least with like comic book collecting, that's part of it still. Like the art's right there. The significance is there. But when it comes to these graded games, it's 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 so um. What's wrong? It's hollow. It's it's not it's almost it's almost like you can deal with any other object like an NFT at that point. You could replace these games with poker chips that have the letters A through Z on them, and if you told people that they were worth something, it, yeah. it, it could it could literally be anything. You could swap out anything, anything. That's what bothers me the most about these um, this set of people that have that have come come into this literally two years. People that before two years ago, a lot of them didn't know video game collecting was a thing to be concerned about. Or it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't worth their time? It literally wasn't, or else they would have got into it, right? Inorganic versus organic growth. Video game collecting was organic. It happened slowly. It developed since really the eighties over time. Um, this high end uh, graded game collecting has not been organic at all. It's been thrust upon and and gamed. The system has been gamed uh, through these Pawn Stars appearances and from uh, uh, three or four choice big uh, uh, articles on uh, like New York Times um, and other sites, Kotaku, that really cast a, a super positive light uh, on this to get people interested. And that's what's so bothersome and dangerous about this, to put to put a, a finer uh, point on it. Yeah. It's dangerous. Uh, let's see what else he said, Ian. Uh, Chum just throws out $100,000. It's not out of the question. Like, how does, how does, how does, how does Chum know that? Not out of the question. Like, how can you cavalierly say, say that about it? I don't. I don't understand that. I just don't. Yeah, it's I, weird. And like I said, that's the biggest change from I think the last time this was covered was just the uh, from from cautionary to throw it to the wind. This who knows what this is worth. And Sean was a part of that that last segment with the son. It was both yes. of them that were there. That's what's so weird about it. Um, so I don't believe in coincidences, Ian. And people say there's coincidence. I, I do and I don't. This the, there was a there was something weird that happened with the timing of this segment. Um, if you look at the current current uh, heritage auctions, um, 
games for sale. Uh, Ian, would you be shocked if I told you there were sealed Mike Tyson's punch outs for sale? Gasp. Right, right, na- right now on Heritage Auctions? Gasp. You would be gasping. Gasping. So there's two. There's two. A game, a game and item so rare that 100000 easily that there's two right now for sale at the same time. And there's been multiple sealed Mike Tyson's punch outs for sale over the past year. And then, yes, they, some have gone. I think it was one for 50000 yep. or so. There's two right now. One with two days left is a 9.0, uh, is, is at 14 grand with two days left. And the other, a better condition one than this, is at a 9.6 with uh, at $27,000. The cynic in me says that they probably timed this knowing that this episode was going to come out. The people at Heritage knew this. That's why this is so bothersome. Everyone talks to everyone for this. Yeah, it, this is not um, a this is not a big scene. No. You could probably put the 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 people who actually make moves in this, the people who are actively involved in this. You could probably fit them all in a a, a fucking restaurant dining room. Yeah, I always I think I said uh, I think it's been accurate from what I've known that there's like a, there's like online collecting groups for all these high end collectors. It's probably not more than two hundred people, yeah. two fifty. There's not these are not a, these are not a lot of people. Again, if I would know from going to these conventions, if they were a lot of people, they're not. Um, at these conventions, at like it, too many games or Portland, they're not like all over the place. You can point, you can point out that's a sealed collector, that's an investor. You can point them out. Sure, they're, they're not all over the place. Um, so yeah, I'm not angry or, or set up about a segment like this. It's just not not something that is good for the good for these people in general it's not good for someone looking to get into it because for the people looking to get into it you're already on the tail could be on the tail end of this uh over the you know the valuation of this and then uh dennis uh from her uh, from awada shows up as the expert for the uh the third time which is again he admits though that hey yeah i you know we graded this when it came through we graded this uh, this uh this collection of games from this guy and uh again it's highly unethical to say things like, in quotes, Ian, this grading makes it really desirable for collectors, and also saying, I would be very comfortable valuing it at the seventy to 80000 range. It is extremely unethical for the person running the grading company to say these things. He should have no involvement at all in, in, in trying to val- value uh, an item. I agree. Because he's tied up in that market. He makes money because people think it's worth this amount of money. Yes, agreed. Other experts... So, sometimes don't say that they'll just say okay yeah i verified it it's this is a real historical document i don't know what it's worth but it's real and then they get out like that's but then that wouldn't make the story right use my service and you can get lots of money potentially right but then it could be weird to say oh yeah no it's authentic because my company graded it here bye like that that's like that's what it should be yeah it should be a third it should be in theory an impartial third party but is there someone impartial at this point? It's either someone that says pie in the sky or someone like me that says you're crazy. Well, Would there be someone impartial? I, like, it just goes back to what we said earlier. It's not big enough. It's not big enough to, to, to have an outsider looking in and be like, okay, what's really going on? It's not been around for 10, 20, 30 years to right. say, historically, this is what happens with this. We don't know. As I look at my Mike's punch, Mike Tyson's punch out standy in the corner. Hey, Mike, what do you think about all this? Your game being sold for tens of thousands. Did you get any, did you get any from Nintendo laying around to get graded, Mike? Anything going on? Muting my phone. Oh. It's doing too much buzzing on my thigh. But this will be the reality going forward. This is going to show up now on Pawn Stars, this stuff. 
the same way you get like high you know high end art pieces showing up it's it's going to be probably something like this but um yeah caution everyone caution 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 but then again the people that can throw tens of thousands of dollars around have it to lose probably they probably to, yeah. to, to take that sort of big of a risk. It's it's a fun thing. It's a Nintendo game. I remember that. I'm going to spend 50 grand on one and maybe I'll make money on it. That's what it is. It's a fun hobby. Sure. Anything else to add? No. Oh, okay. I feel like I dominated that segment with my spiel. It's just, it's painful. I it's, <laughs> it always painful to you? So listen just, to me or just watching the clip? No, just the clip and yeah, I don't know. I put I put a bow on it. I'm in a mood this week. You're, you are in a mood. Um, yeah. Well, all right. Moving on. Outriders it will permanently brand cheaters uh, once the game is released in full, which I believe is happening uh, very shortly. So basically, Outriders is a new game from Square Enix. Uh, it looks to be very similar to like a Borderlands style game. Um, you can squad up with your friends and go and get weapons and loot and stuff like that in a uh, you know kind of an open world environment with a quest structure. Oh, okay. um, I like games like that. But the um, News is that Outriders will permanently brand players who cheat with a shameful on-screen watermark, is uh, what what the this article from PC Gamer says. Uh, basically, if you are a cheater, um, you will this. It, it's a discreet but visible watermark that will never go away. So people will always know if they want to check that you were a cheater. Um, you can't. This this effectively stops you from ever being able to brag about your builds, your characters, anything that you've put time into in the game. Even if you stop cheating. Even if you stop cheating. So you can't do it once. Not once. It will never, ever go away. And I kind of like this zero tolerance policy for cheating in games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially with online games. This isn't even a versus one, although who knows? There might be some PvP that I'm un- unaware of. Um, but yeah, you want everyone to be on the same page. And as they mentioned in this article, it's true. Yeah, people who cheat their way to these crazy builds, it definitely isn't fun for uh, online players to have someone drop in and then go, you know, laser blast or nuke, uh, you know, all the enemies in a, you know, in a map or in a level. And, you know, you don't do anything. Um, So this also prevents you from being able to do normal matchmaking. Ah, okay. Okay. And you will only be, you will not be able to matchmake with legit players. You uh, will have to play with uh, other people who have cheated, um, which means that getting a game going can take forever. So, so I'm actually looking at this. I didn't. So this is kind of like a Destiny sort of game. It looks like a Destiny RPGs, board, it, RPG more, elements. I think it looks closer to Borderlands to me, but okay. yeah, something along those lines. Never got into those type of games. So this, uh, actually looking at it, this officially comes out, I guess, April 1st. So th- before we recorded this, uh, it comes out after we record this this segment. So I like that they're letting people know up front before it's it's out everywhere. I guess it's in you know beta release right now that this is coming. Yeah, I think it was like a uh, an open open beta or something like that. Uh, basically, they said and they they uh, put that watermark on cheaters from the beta as well. Oh, they, oh, so people are already cheating in the beta? Holy shit! But they are giving out. There's a loophole out. Basically, you have to delete everything from your profile. You have to delete all the characters, all the items that you would have gotten during the beta. So basically, your work in the beta will not transfer over to the main game. People who played in the open beta, they'll be able to take their items and stuff with them into the main game when it launches. That boggles my mind that people will be cheating in in an open beta. That's so weird. As they Um, say... I mean, it's weird in general, but in in an open beta, people want to cheat. 
yeah. just to figure out the game and, and see if it works or not properly, you know, and, and test it, um, feel for it. it they, they address this. People can fly also issued a warning to beta cheaters who'd like to get back on their good there side go. before the full game launches. If you cheated during the demo just to try it out but wish to get into the main game unbranded, you must delete all characters and items on your entire account in order to wipe the slate clean. I think that's fair. And I was, I mean, I think they're they're really giving the benefit of the doubt here, but I think if you were going to cheat during the beta would be maybe an acceptable place to do it. If you want to see how the game plays at a higher level or something, fine. Maybe they're not trying to get something over on them. They want to, they want to get it more advanced, get the, get the items. They want quicker. to see what the game looks like yeah, um, at a later state. Okay, fine. I still think people are just cheating to cheat. Of course. Um, so, so, so according to them, it's 200 uh, cheaters identified out of 2 million total. That's 0.01%. With Pat Math there. Um, and then um, they're confident it won't grow by much when Outriders launches. And then this is how they define cheating. Intentionally running the game on PC without without easy anti-cheat, EAC, because it's a proprietary anti-cheat, uh, which, you know, which comes probably bundled with it. Modifying game files to enhance a character, I see. Like you go into the configuration, give yourself stuff. Yeah. Externally modifying game time to reduce time-dependent features such as vendors and challenges. Oh, that's interesting. Using a trainer program or similar to gain advantage within the game. Uh, and then using gameplay-altering programs such as aimbots or wall hacks. So, so um, yeah, this is great. I want to see more games do it. Um, the idea of cheater hells has been done before. That's uh, what they call it in this article uh, when cheaters can only match up with other cheaters and there are other games that do it apex legends famously does it i think we maybe even discussed it briefly um on uh, on the podcast i think one of the call of duties one of the more modern call of duties does it so basically if you cheat well your punishment is you have to deal with people just like you and i think that's 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 very uh just and appropriate so so again if if you say well you know you're not this isn't player versus player it's not a big deal you're still altering the game experience and making it weird and you're it's not the way the game was intended to be played to to get that much of a cheat uh someone had an example in the article here this author about when they were playing um let's see they're playing a game what happened? Playing Borderlands, I had a similar experience in Borderlands when a rando player joined my game, dropped a crazy modded laser rifle that dealt a billion damage, and then left my life forever. The laser rifle totally broke the game, but whatever, I had fun. So someone gave him this awesome. So they called it called him the laser rifle angel. Dropped the weapon, but then the game is is basically cheated at that point. Right. You can just blow through everyone, and that's the, that's the point. You're bas- you're upsetting the balance of the game, and you're ruining the entire experience. And people might not want to play it anymore. Maybe maybe the fun of it is is having your squad mates slowly level up and get through this. But now you got people coming in that are beasts that makes everything simple. Why am I even playing the game? There's no challenge anymore. Sure, that's that's really the point. But it's interesting now we're in that point where you have these totally co op games where you got to worry about it as well. Because I wouldn't have thought about that. I wouldn't have thought about cheating in a game. I always thought about cheating just player versus player, right? To get an advantage. All right, anything else to add here? No. You got to pick pick up uh, Outriders. Uh, I mean, I wasn't really aware of it until this article came out, and uh, no, I'll probably be well well occupied with Monster Hunter for a long time. But th- I, I do like games like these, uh, what they call looter shooters. I like the idea. Looter shooters. Looter shooters. We got boomer shooters and looter shooters. I like I like the idea of looter shooters. I have dabbled in them before. I've played a little Destiny. I played a bunch of the first division. I played a lot of uh, Borderlands One and a little bit of Two. I like the idea. It's fun. All right, Ian. 
Uh, on the CU Podcast, we love celebrating anniversaries of game consoles and retro games. Um, fives and, and zeros, that, that's, that's our mark. We don't do 71. We don't do uh, 47. We don't do 12. But we do the 10th anniversary, and it's the, we just passed the 10th anniversary of the release of the Nintendo 3DS handheld. And we just passed last week the 10th, uh, 20th anniversary of the GBA. Yeah, uh, thank goodness for these uh, zeros and fives coming up appropriately uh, when we need them. <laughs> so that we have topics to, to discuss. What are you, stop, stop pulling the curtain back, Ian. The curtain's back. It's seven years in. Um, on this day, ten years seven ago, the half. Nintendo 3DS was released in North America. That was March 27th, so it was Sunday. Um, the 3DS is probably... That's yeah, tough. One of my favorite portable systems. Definitely, I think, one of the best ones uh, Nintendo put out. I know not everyone agrees with that, but I really enjoyed it. Um, what I liked about the 3DS was that... What I like about 3DS? I feel like a lot of Nintendo's games that were released on the 3DS were... Um, they felt refined. Uh, they had a whole generation with the original DS to kind of test the waters when it came to dual screen games and how to get them to, you know... Uh, play the best. Sure. So I feel like, you know, after 10, uh, you know, it's not 10 years, but after that lead up period, um, we were definitely getting better games that knew how to do more with the, uh, the touch screens. Um, the 3DS also introduced a lot of uh, social features that I liked that the DS was missing. And that was fun. It was one of the first Nintendo consoles to have like the, uh, you know, you could see what friends were online and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, it's a fully time. fully Wi-Fi enabled handheld. Yes. That's important. Yeah. Um, yes, fully Wi-Fi enabled. Uh, you could play online. You could play with other people. Um, you know, robust eShops. Uh, but my favorite thing about the 3DS was the Street Pass function, um, which I mourn the loss of in the Switch all the time. Street Pass was a lot of fun with 3DS. Basically, you could take your 3DS and at any time you could sleep it. Close it back up and put it in your pocket. Anytime you passed someone who also had a Nintendo 3DS in their pocket uh, that was closed up, you would exchange data in the form of your me character, uh, a little saying it would show you in your costume and, and where you were from. And where you were from. And they did a lot of neat stuff with that. Uh, you could obviously cl- in the uh, the Me Friends Plaza, which was where you could look at all the different people you've met. You could see the uh, quote that they attached to their character. But Nintendo did a really cool thing, and they used all these people that you collected to play a series of mini games. There was yes. a flower shop one. There, there was a lot of them. I didn't even play. I think the third set. There was a fishing one. There was RPG. The adventure RPG. The like There's the default one. Adventure yeah. RPG. Exploring a haunted house. There was all sorts of cool mini games. And basically, you needed these stock of characters to. Uh, do things in the game or to act as party members. Mm-hmm. And it was a really fun, really unique idea that I thought for sure... Nintendo- Find Me, that was the name of it. Find Me. That's one of them, yeah. Yeah, that was the one that came with it originally. Um, but I think... I, I thought for certain Nintendo was never, ever going to let that idea go. Because everyone loved it. Um and people go to conventions and be on their 3ds or checking oh who did you street pass with it, it was a thing it was a phenomenon like a little phenomenon by adding this in uh, I, I think sometimes people think about playing games on a port like it's big in japan but i think sometimes here people think about getting you know 
at a convention, playing games on portables, getting four people together to network a game like Mario Kart or something might be too much hassle or more hassle than it's worth. But if you've got these simple games installed on the system that you can play at any time just by passing people, you ensure that people are taking these systems to conventions. Therefore, stuff like Smash on the 3DS, Mario Kart on the 3DS, people did actually gather and play these because they were already keeping these their, their systems on and out and around to collect these street passes. It really, I think, it's hard. I'm having a tough time finding the exact words, but it really... It's communal? Um, yes, it really increased the communal aspect of the 3DS, and I liked that, and they had something going. Um, there was all sorts of 3DS meetups, not even just at conventions, but they would do them at Game Stops and at you know sandwich shops and things like that. And it's it's gone now. They got they they took it off the Switch. I mean, the Switch isn't as portable as the 3DS, but they just completely eliminated it. And I I I struggle all the time to figure out why they got rid of it. I just I have no idea. It was such it was uh, such a unique and cool idea. Yeah. Um. It it was a moment in time. It was we're talking about the time before smartphones blew up. Smartphones were still new. Um, they weren't all super affordable yet. I'd say it wasn't until like 2013, a couple years later, where more and more people were getting smartphones. 12, definitely 13. So it was a weird moment in time that maybe you couldn't replicate because smartphones weren't a thing. This is like social media still is in its infancy and people are still locked to phones that don't have this stuff yet. So this is the bridge maybe. And maybe that's why. And again, this is in a time where Nintendo had never done an app. 10 years ago, Nintendo would never do an app. They weren't going to do an app until even like what is five six years ago. We're not doing an app. Then the past few years, we're doing apps. Finally, so it's a it's a weird it's a weird weird time. But no, going back to the communal nature. I mean, I mean, Nintendo having their, their spot at Comic Con over here every year. They always had like the little meetup area, yeah, and things like that. When I, I I go to conventions, I brought my, I brought my 3ds and I wanted to see who I did the street pass with, and I was excited. You know, I think I finally got after doing you know we're talking dozens of conventions. I think I got everyone from every state. Nice, yeah. I was like, that's really cool. That is fun to, yeah, that you know is I mean? fun to do. I think I, I got everyone from every state as well. It's like a weird feeling. Like, wow, we're all connected in a weird way. We, and it's just people having them in their bags. I would have mine like in my bag, unopened, and just see who you connect with. And the battery life was good on those, if I remember. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that's one thing I would definitely no? say. The battery life was not good on the 3DS. No. Having it closed? None of them. Especially closed. No, it just drains like crazy. Oh, I, mean, I, I, I don't remember having to charge it during the day at a convention. I mean, you could probably get through a day. I'm just saying compared to other battery lives, the 3DS battery life was not good. Oh, okay. And, I, it, and, it, and it drained okay. far more energy than it probably should have in sleep mode. Okay. I don't, I don't remember having a problem at conventions. No, I mean, it was workable. Obviously, it was workable, although as people wouldn't do it. I'm just saying, I don't... 1,300mAh battery. I don't know how, how long that is. But okay. That aside, I had fun with it at conventions. Um, and I, but yes, I, I mainly used it for for me pass and for the find me games and for like the puzzle pieces you unlocked and things like that. Um, interestingly, the 3DS uh, saw a number of ports on it, just like the um, Game Boy Advance did. When we talked about the Game Boy Advance's anniversary, we talked about how you know it got the the ports of the different Mario games and Zelda and stuff like that. Same thing happened with the 3DS. You got uh, great ports of Ocarina of Time. Um, you got really good ports of Majora's Mask. Um, and you got new entries in those series as well. Um, you didn't get a new Mario 
on the Game Boy Advance, but you did on the 3DS. You got Super Mario 3D Land, which was kind of like the predecessor to Super Mario 3D World. I love those games. I love the way they look. They're, it's hard for me to describe them, but they are 3D Mario games that play like 2D Mario games. I just I love the level design in those games. Um, Zelda Link Between Worlds, I never played it. Vani did. She loved it, 100% of it. Supposed to be a fantastic game. Um, you know, and I, I, I did kind of like... The 3DS was nice. One of the nice things about having the two different systems, a handheld version and a handheld system and a console, was uh, Nintendo definitely felt like they were willing to experiment with older styles a little bit more. Okay. I don't know that we'll necessarily get as much of that. I mean, you did. You got a remake of Link's Awakening, but Link Between Worlds plays like an old-school Zelda game. It's interesting. I don't think you would have gotten that something like that on the Switch. So, the, shocking, the, the biggest seller with almost 19 million was Mario Kart 7 which is an excellent game Mario Kart 7 was fun I had fun playing that um, Mario Kart 7 um, let's see you got Pokemon in 2, 3 and 4th place what a shock New Super Mario Bros. 2 is 5th Animal Crossing New Leaf is 6th uh oh probably my favorite version of Animal uh, Wild World but I also like New Leaf so Super Mario 3 Land is 7th uh, Super Smash Bros. for Nintendo 3DS is eight. Pokemon, another Pokemon is 9, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. Uh, a game called uh, Yokai Watch 2 is 10th um, role-playing game. Uh, Tamadachi Life is 11, Luigi's Mansion. So mostly first party. Good old Nintendo Dogs and Cats is 14. <laughs> Where's the Switch, Nintendo Dogs and Cats? Give me, give me, the, Switch, give me the Switch Cats. Um, and then Monster Hunter is 15th and 16th. So definitely a different style you know, of console in terms of the games. It, it's uh, obviously... Uh, Pokemon and Nintendo first party heavy um, but there's there's other ones that sneak into here as well when you look at it but not a lot not a lot of third party stuff on here that you consider like fully third party it's mostly Nintendo published stuff there's some Capcom starting here with Monster Hunter but yeah it's Nintendo handheld Capcom, Atlas, and Nintendo, uh, I think, were probably the biggest publishers on, on, on that system. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would say, uh, I, I feel like you can't talk about the 3DS without mentioning uh, how many iterations of that hardware we got. We got the 3DS, we got the 2DS, you got the... 3DS XL. The 3DS XL. Then you got the new 3DS XL. And the new 3DS. The new 3DS. It's five. And you got the new 2DS XL. There's a 2DS XL? There's a new 2DS XL. So there's a, a giant tablet one? No, it folds. It just, it, it looks, it, it's it's a clamshell. It just gets rid of so the So there's six screen. of them. There's six different. Holy shit. Six, well, we got the order wrong probably, but there's six of them. Yeah, there's yeah. six different um, variations of this that you can buy. Not to mention I don't know all the I different have. colors in all the different special editions. Do I have 3DS XL or 3DS? I forget which one I have. I think you have a 3DS. Because you have that purple one, right? I sold the purple one. Uh, I had the blue one. I had a purple one and I sold it. It was an extra one. The purple one was like the uncommon color, I think. So, anyways. Yeah. A lot wow, of different... that's nuts. A lot of different... Yeah. Um, additions to this hardware it was one of the things that kind of annoyed me about it uh i was annoyed at first when it released and it did not have a second analog stick i yeah. felt like that was a real missed opportunity and uh, as a person who plays actually well a lot of monster hunter uh that was what sold me on the new 3ds uh was the second analog stick that you could use to control camera um i nintendo weirdly that second analog stick should have been on there from from day one, and I think you would have seen a lot of uh, 
a lot of interesting games if it was uh, always on the system as opposed so, to potentially an add-on. So this was weird. So I, I don't fault them here, though, at least for the on, the on the new one. So according to this, the new 3DS XL came out before the regular new 3DS. So you got the bigger one. They didn't, they didn't try to sl- slow walk you. You didn't get the new 3DS before the XL. Uh, in the in Japan, they were released at the same time. In the U.S., the XL was released. The new 3DS XL was the only one that was available regularly at retail. The, there was three or four versions of the new 3DS, but those were all released as special editions here. So at least they did that. They didn't slow walk you and said, okay, well, we'll come out. Well, with, uh, wait. I, I mean, that's a, a positive. They didn't try to get you to buy it four times. No, I, I mean, know? I guess, and I think people knew about it, but it was also a pain because the new 3DS is really, in my opinion, the perfect size. It's in between the XL and the standard. It's a really good size, and they made that very oh. difficult to get. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the the, the XL was necessary. I, I don't think when I play, played the 3DS, I had a issue with it. Besides, it not having the analog, uh, you know, the second analog. Over time, I I realized that I definitely like I I I specifically waited for the new 3DS regular size to get released here to okay. pick one up because so I I did not. I I realized I did not like the XL. It's just too big. It's too big. Yeah, holding a clamshell thing like that with a hinge is too big. Yeah, like trying to lean back and like it just it feels. Yeah, weird. I never had an issue with the original DS. I, the original DS was perfect to me. The size of it, I, so. I didn't have an issue with that. So anyway, well that's well, that's interesting. And then plus, most importantly, or one of the things about about the the, uh, the, the 3DS is that the 3DS helped Nintendo get through a really rough patch in its history. Yes, I, Nintendo's I mean, handhelds are always saving it during rough patches, and the Wii U was just about the roughest patch Nintendo ever had so, with a home console. Of course, you, we always talk about the naysayers, the, the Nintendo uh, nays, uh, d- d- doomsayers uh, around, around, we'll just say, five, six years ago, seven years ago, like, oh, Nintendo is d- doomed. Look what's happening with the Wii U. It's like, do you know how many handheld units they're pushing out? Nintendo, like they're fine. They're they're still they're yeah. still in the black here. So they sold. Okay, how many do they sell here? Uh, how many do they sell? Hopefully it doesn't break it up. Hopefully it's just one number uh, of 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 sold here. Uh, all models combined as of September 2020, just under 76 million. 76 million handhelds, and that's like a nine year span. That's nuts. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah, that's crazy. And now the Switch has replaced it. Because they're going to blow past now, you know, 76 and go, you know, if they haven't already, I forget, and go up to, and hit the Wii numbers potentially. 76 million. So, yeah, they lost money on the Wii on the Wii U, likely. They probably lost money or didn't make much of a profit. Yeah, that was a failure. Selling only, whatever, 11 million or so. But 76 million handhelds and, and, and iterative versions that cost you less R&D along the way? Yeah. It's, oh, we'll just make it a... Throw a bigger screen on it, Ian. Hey, Ian, put another thumb pad on there. And there you go. That's our new system. People will rebuy it. And they did. By tens of millions. It's, it's, it's nuts. Six different versions? That's insane. That's the record. I think that will get broken. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you're not counting the, the regular DS because that's a different platform. The yeah. DS only had two. <laughs> it had DS and no, it had DS, DS, oh, Lite, DSi. DSi, and DSi XL. Yeah, I was forget about the DSi thing. No, Nintendo loves to iterate their handhelds. The DSi sort of was like you know fading out by that point. But anyway, oh, well, happy birthday, happy tenth. Let's see for tenth. What should we go, go, go uh, bowling bowling alley birthday party for ten years? Yeah, ten, that's about that's well, a bowling. Is that alley too old birthday. for Chuck E. Cheese? You can still go to nah, Chuck E. Cheese. It's definitely still Chuck E. Cheese. Age, right, we'll, we'll take it to Chuck E. Cheese. Are they still around anymore? In some way, shape, or form. All right, uh, Ian, we have a we have a Patreon. We do. 
patreon.com slash cu podcast go pay get <laughs> that's not what it is he it is you're helping support us helping keep the lights on at castle country and castle ferguson um you get the weekly writing that ian does he's working on one today you get the monthly uh, hangout you get the full video podcast uninterrupted with all our squabbling that we leave off of youtube uh there usually <laughs> and, and all the all our nice segues and then you also get a poll topic each week and this week, there was a couple of choices. In second place, it took a hit this week. And this is one that I think would be good for us to talk about at some point. That's why it's staying on. Do big video game releases get too much hype? 18%. And in first place, Ian, exclusive games from poor 90s consoles that deserve better. And when we say poor, we mean those underselling or weird-ass consoles like CDI, 3DO, Jaguar, maybe Virtual Boy if you want to throw them. Like, we'll just stick to those ones off the beaten track there so this one is a little bit a um, little bit tougher for me uh, but I did come up with a few and they're, they're actually on the Jaguar um, okay for me it would probably be um, Tempest 2000 okay which is a fantastic game uh, plays great uh, was one of the first like games to really I think go for that over the top like uh, kind of trippy visual style um, like Res or something like that. Uh, it's a Jeff Minter game, if, if I'm not mistaken. That's Jeff Minter. Um, and he does lots of stuff like that. Um, a lot of fun. Very cool. The other one, I think the big one, the game that everyone wants to play uh, when they think about uh, the Jaguar, is Alien vs. Predator. Um, it was the first... Uh, almost positive, the yes. first Alien vs. Predator video game um, and it never got put on any other system. It was truly the exclusive that kind of made uh, you kind of sit up and take notice of it. You could play as the alien, you could play as the predator, you could play as a space marine. Um, there were different levels for for each each main character, and that was o- that was one of the only games when I was a kid that really made me want to play. Um, Play okay. a Jaguar, because oh. I was obsessed with Alien and Predator growing okay, up. Okay, it was first console, and the RK one came out earlier that year. Oh, okay. If you count that. Okay. It was the yeah. same year. Sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah, those are really good ones. Um, I was also wondering, do you think this is the 32X count? I think it does, because those games are stuck. I mean, it's a failure, and those games are stuck on there. A lot of those are ports, though, or different. Okay, well, let me hear what you have. Let me, let me hear. What do you got? Uh, for that, I have uh, Calibri. Which is an interesting, like, hummingbird-type shooter. Huh. Okay. And uh, I think it's up. Tempo 2 as the one that is exclusive to the 32X. Let me look up Calibri. i never heard of that. Oh, Calibri's oh. really cool looking. No way out here. Um, really interesting art, too. That was never released anywhere else. Nope. That's 32X only. And uh, Tempo 2, I You're think. You're a little hummingbird? Good. Yeah. That's adorable. I just saw a hummingbird outside my place yesterday. They, the two whizzed by my head within like two feet. I guess they don't care. Like other birds, they went zoom, zoom. I was like, what the hell? Hummingbirds are hanging out. They were pals. And uh, so Tempo 2 would be the other one. Oh, my God. This looks incredible. It's, it's a really nice looking it, game. It's, be- it's better than uh, the fish shooter on TurboGrafx. That's for sure. Uh, 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 now, I need, now I need a hummingbird shooter. Sequel. I know it's that dangerous out there, Ian. Yeah, in Hummingbird Land. You got to shoot uh, dragonflies and other, other little 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 guys. That's adorable. So, Avalon vs. Predator was cool at the time because uh, I don't know at that point in time if if everyone was aware of the arcade game, but it was like they were trying to do that movie forever. 
uh, Alien vs. Predator. That's when the talk was, you know, right. heating up. The so, comics had just come out. Yeah, so that was the time for it, like the mid-90s. And I remember seeing it play. My friend uh, Ryan, rich kid, um, had the Jaguar. He always had the Sega CD first, and he had the Jaguar. And I remember pl- I'm silly singing. I don't know if he let me play it. But I was looking like, that's that's impressive. And But there wasn't a lot of impressive games in the Jaguar that, you know, you couldn't pull off on other consoles. You know, like, but that was impressive at the time for 94 right. on a console. Um, I did do a lot of looking at 3DO stuff. I'm not particularly familiar with the 3DO, especially its exclusives. But I do think it's worth pro- pointing out um, that it did have that really good version of Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Uh, Super Street Fighter 2 was available on other systems, but I sure. believe, as far, at least at that point in time, um, Super There's... Turbo was only available on the 3DO. Uh... So those would be my picks. At the time, it didn't come out anywhere else. Super Street Fighter Two. Super Street Fighter Two Turbo did not. Oh, Turbo. Yes. Interesting. That could be a. Oh, that's. See, not not Super. Was it? Was it on? Was it on the PlayStation? Or or. or uh... I, I mean, that would have been after the fact. But I, no, I don't even think ter- Super. I don't think Super Turbo got a release it, until um, the PS2 collection. Here's here's the problem with the 3DO. There's so many games on it that were just like computer games or available elsewhere. That when you look at some of this stuff, you really got to really sink into this. They had like, let's see, there's Dungeon and Dragons games. It looked like, um, oh sorry, Super Turbo was on PS1 and Saturn in the collection pack. I was, so I did get it. It's time. Alone in the Dark games. Uh, let's see, Cannon Fodder. That was on other things, wasn't it? A Corpse Killer obviously was. A Crime Patrol. There's not a lot on here. You gotta, you gotta like dig down. Like no. Demolition Man. Then once you dig down, is this stuff actually good? The thing about the 3DO, I think, unlike the Jaguar, everyone knows about Alien vs. Predator and uh, and Tempest 2000. They've heard of it. I can't think of a game that everyone brings up. Oh, that's the 3DO game you got to play. I, I can't. No, because of all of the big um, ones eventually got released on other systems. I'm, I'm looking at some games. There's one called Escape from Monster Manor. Okay. A Halloween themed FPS by EA, I guess. Lucian's Quest, a JRPG. There's Killing Time, uh, another first-person shooter, but I, I felt like... No, I guess not. I thought... Excuse me. Woo! thought Killing Time got released elsewhere. People try to argue um, that Road Rash one, but Road Rash was released everywhere. Um, maybe not a, a specific one, but something... Cl- it's close enough, you know, that, that Road Rash versus, you know, ones from the time. Yeah, that looks not th- that different than the Super Nintendo one when you look at that Road Rash. Um, and it was also released on, on what was it, the PC and other others. Genesis, there was a Road Rash. So, um, yeah, that was everywhere. It was on Saturn. So you can't even say Road Rash. That would have been one. Like, okay, if Road Rash was on there, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, Cannon Fodder was everywhere. I was going to say maybe that one for a weird one. Uh, yeah, you're running out there. CDI is probably even worse for a game that's probably worthy to... Yeah, you were going to have, like, CDI. I that's mean, you worse. included it in the list of, of, of systems we could call from, but I've, I've, um, I don't know anything <laughs> about the CDI. Oh, I didn't know Sewer Shock was in the 3D. I'm looking at the list. I had no idea. So they got some. They got a lot of those. Uh, uh, Slam and Jam '95 from Left Field Productions on the 3DO. Uh, was that on anything else? It was just on 3DO. Well, check out Slam and Jam '95 to see if that's worthy. Something tells me it's not, or we would have heard of it beforehand. Uh, what about Virtual Boy? I actually liked uh, the thing about Virtual Boy is I think there's actually like good games on Virtual Boy. The system itself is just not. It's miserable. Not like great. Um, the Wario game I've played. Is Everyone fun. says the Wario game sh- is, 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 a, is a legitimately good game. That, that should have been like. Yes, yeah. it is. It's legitimately good. Wario Land. Um, and I also liked Mario Crash 
honestly i thought mario crash was pretty fun oh clash clash yes thought it was crash mario clash i enjoyed um i always wanted to play jack brothers jack brothers looks interesting um i I remember playing red alert on the demo machine a red alarm on the demo machine and enjoying Uh it i don't know if i would still necessarily enjoy it um but i i've actually i've i've had fun with the three the the virtual boy games that i have played it's not the games it's the system yeah it's it's that red I, looking at screenshots i'm getting a headache of that how was the golf game on that you're the golf guy was the golf game all right i would love to play that's one i've actually not played that would be fun looks like teeny soft did that one so they, they did other they did other uh, golf games i believe they did the n64 games i, I was gonna say um, i think they did why yeah um so that's always an interesting one to me so cdi I mean, I'll, I'll I'll look at for you guys out there. I'll look at like best selling or CDI games game library. I'm I I'll be shocked if we find something that's even arguable that said, oh, that could have been on another system. I mean, they had 196 games in the CDI. Seventh guest that came out everywhere, obviously. Yeah. Like, what the hell is exclusive on here? I'm looking at these developers. There's an Alice in Wonderland game. Really. Alice in Wonderland. Did it just come out there? There's not even an article on Wikipedia for it. I can't even look into it. There was an Axis and Allies game that came out everywhere. Um, Beauty and, there's a Beauty and the Beast. They, oh, they did like one, not even Disney games. They did like the one-off generic versions. Oh, wow. There was a Berenstein, uh, Bears game here. There was a Caesar's World of Gambling. Something tells me that's not going not gonna to be something that we would be dying to see uh, on, on another console. Uh, the Crime Patrol games, those were on other systems, weren't they? Uh, the Shooters. I believe so. Uh, Amiga-based hardware, platforms. Yeah, that was everywhere. Windows, DVD, Mac, Windows. Yeah, that's not one. Um, Family games. Flashback was everywhere. There was a Flintstones and Jetsons Time Warp game. That could be interesting uh, if that didn't come anywhere. But Time Warp, was was what was the the, uh, Super Nintendo uh, uh, Jetsons? Was that Time Warp? Trying to confuse. I look up at the book. What was what? Hmm. Um... Wait a minute, what the fuck? There was a Google 13 CDI game? What? No, there wasn't. I would own it. What? Is that real? Uh, the Jetsons on Super Nintendo is Invasion of the Planet Pirates. But there's no... Is there really a Google 13 CDI game? This is on the list. Is that for real? There's no way. Probably. No way that would come out in North America. Here. Let's see. Was it big in Japan? The CDI? That, I find that hard to believe. I, I gotta investigate that now. Gogo 13 CDI game. Come on. I would, I mean, cr- trust me, Ian, I'm a, I'm a nut when it comes to this stuff. It's a super rare CDI game. Great. Now I got to buy it. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much. I never knew about this. Are you kidding me? It's super rare. Did it come out? Oh, there's a picture of it. Holy shit. Okay. Thanks, everyone. I'll be spending $1,000 on a Google 13 game <laughs> I didn't know existed until now. Are you for real? Okay. Time for me to search that. Are there any other systems we missed out on from, from the 90s? Nothing that I could, like... Hyperzone? Was that 90s? I don't know. Nothing that I could pick something from. No. Now I'm going to be obsessed about this Google 13 game. But there, uh, yeah, there's always been a couple of Jaguar games and a few 32X games that I would have liked to have played. Well, let us know in the comments what we missed out on for one of those weird-ass consoles. I'm uh, sure we 90s. missed something. Something the 32X? How about, was a Spider-Man game good in the 32X? Well, Web of Fire, was that? I, from what I've read, no, but I've never played it. From what you read, no? Yeah. Okay. All right, Ian, we got voicemails. Oh, boy, to. we do. Let's the, do some of those. Go to anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. Don't be too excited, Ian. 
over that. And you can leave us a voicemail. Try to keep it clo- uh, short and sweet, you know, 15, 20 seconds. You get in, you get out. You get on with your life, just like us. This first one's from Michael. Mike uh, from from New Jersey, it says. Well, a lot of Jersey guys, I like it. Hey, Pat and Ian. It's Michael from New Jersey. Do you think open-world mechanics get shoehorned into some games that should be just simple fun? A couple of examples I can think of are Burnout Paradise and the later SSX games. Thanks, guys. Love the show. So There's uh, open-world in, in a snowboarding game? Yeah, a Steep does it. SSX 3 kind of does it. What, do you go for drinks up up in the, the, the cabin? Different branching paths, find different... It's just... <laughs> it's interesting. Um, I actually... So, I do think open world games... I, I think open world mechanics are overused. Um, I would much rather have... But my problem is, I, I don't like that all action games these days seem to be turned into open world games or games with open world elements. I would much rather have a tight... Um, crafted level-based single-player experience than something open world because when you get an open world game it's there's always parts that have nothing to do in them um it's the old saying uh it's a pool that is you know a mile wide but an inch deep there's lots to walk around and see and try to find but there's just not a whole lot to do with it and i get real bored with open world games i can't focus i get off the beaten path and i God, I just don't like them. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Burnout Paradise and the later SSX games because I actually love Burnout Paradise and SSX 3 is my favorite of the SSX series. Um, Burnout Paradise, you can sometimes... It, it can be a pain in the ass driving from spot to spot sometimes, but I really enjoyed just exploring the Burnout Paradise world, um, you know, breaking all of the billboards, you know, doing all that small... Um, that small side goal stuff uh, that was uh, available because specifically because of the open world. Um, but I know that's a controversial opinion. SSX3, I think, is it's one of my favorite games ever, and I, I really like it. I thought it was fun to kind of start at the top of a mountain and choose your path down the mountain and hit up some events on the way and stuff like that. Um, they also allowed you to quick... Once you encountered a... Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? An event, you could fast travel to those events to replay them. So it's not like you have to, you know, spend five minutes going from place to place. Uh, this is from uh, Hunter. I think he said album covers. Favorite album covers? Album covers. Uh, what ones the Beatles were, were murdering babies? The one that's rare. <laughs> Remember that one? Um, their dolls are all bloodied up. I think uh, I, I I don't know. I have to think about album. I'd have covers. to think I about album usually covers. Think about album covers. To be honest, call back and leave that message again clearly to make sure that that's what we thought you were saying, and I'll have something ready next time. <laughs> this is from Brad. Hey guys, um, this is uh, Brad from uh, Muskegon, Michigan. Uh, my question is more for Pat. Um, I know you, you've been saying you've been working on a uh, uh, Nintendo 64 book. Um, what is your, like, plans, I guess, beyond that? Are you planning on doing maybe, like, uh, GameCube or maybe or mobile, maybe doing the mobile. Um, Game Boy um, oh. games, reviewing those? Um, just fun to get an idea of what your plans are after the... Nintendo 64 book. 
You, you want you want he wants to cut me off with the pass. Um, I don't know. I, I don't like thinking about the next book afterwards. I I, I was I struggled whether or not to do N sixty four Game Boy, um, and decided N sixty four because I am still unsure about there being a viable market for a Game Boy book. There might be, but I know there definitely is one for the N sixty four. That's probably bigger. So I decided to do that, which I now regret because it's probably the hardest console to do a book about due to the due to the tough emulation involved and other factors. Um, I don't know. I, 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 if I do another book, I don't know. I, I, it, it might be more logical to do the GameCube. It'll be easier than doing the N64 book. The emulation is actually a lot better. Um, but Game Boy is interesting, and it, and it goes back to the more retro thing that I like. Like I, I don't know a huge amount about the N64. I'm, I'm learning as the writers are... Are, are doing it and I'm, I'm learning about some of these games uh but game boy would be nice to go to go back to that but again i don't know we'll see we'll see it, it would just be game boy black and white though it wouldn't be both it, it'd be too big of a book to do game boy and game boy color maybe i can i can rope in and do some game boy reviews mm, if i do game boy maybe get you, you get you and your crowd you and your your brethren maybe to do that oh uh, by the way i because uh, i don't like to not answer a question that was asked i have come up with some album covers see. 36 Seasons by Ghostface Killer is a great album cover, and I like all the album art for health albums. Okay. Hey, guys. Two consoles too late here. A couple quick questions. Ian, what is up with uncured pepperoni and buffalo? And Pat, what is your camera setup for Flea Market Madness? Love the show. Uncured pepperoni is a thing? So, yes. Very common. Um, Uncured, like if you if you go and buy like those little cheese and cracker plates, it's almost always uncured. Pepperoni. Oh, is it? So uh, uncured pepperoni, buffalo pizza. The thing that really differentiates buffalo pizza from other places is the almost exclusive use of what's known as cup and char pepperoni. Cup and char pepperoni is pepperoni that I because of I believe it's the the casing or the the collagen on the outside of the pepperoni. When it cooks, it shrinks on the outside, so it kind of cups, and then it gets really crispy on the edges. Okay. Um, and then I, so I don't, I, I don't know if this is what he's referencing, but there was during the lockdown, there was a, there was a, a, a cup pepperoni shortage, the type of pepperoni that they used. So a lot of people in, so there were uh, restaurants in Buffalo that started buying instead of buying the sliced cup pepperoni that they could pop on there and have it bake up they uh there was uh, there was like a rush on and i believe a shortage in the area on stick pepperoni because oh, if, you wow. t- if you took the stick pepperoni and sliced it on a slicer it would you can get the it same would, it would cup and char the same way oh it's okay. definitely different than the it's called cup and char that's like the, the cup and char is what is hormel that, refers to oh, it as and, yeah. and it's mostly for baking and it, it, it's 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 pretty much exclusively for pizza and for um like i said it gets, buffalo, a, nice, gets a nice ring and it, it gets yeah it, it gets, gets the, the ring pops up, thing a little, up yeah. little, little grease in the center yeah, gotcha. it's delicious it's so good um god intermittent fasting i'm hungry so yeah during i know that during the lockdown there was uh, a shortage of it and uh restaurants in uh, in buffalo had to get creative and then for the setup for flea market it's just the glasses have a little video thing it's nothing special i broke them now uh a couple a few years back i broke the um something on the on the on the glasses i could probably glue it though hello again pat and ian it's blake here from frisco texas and frisco. my friend recently started a podcast for about 10 episodes in now we talk about historical films and how historically accurate they are we're really really big fans of uh, 
history and uh we i really heard uh that you liked the movie glory and i was wondering if there's any other historical films that you or maybe ian like uh and uh i'd love to hear them. thanks glory is fantastic i mean it's it's like it's almost underrated how, how good glory is um other historical movies that i like um uh torah 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 is really good um that's fantastic um, that's the Pearl Harbor movie from why I think I believe that was the '60s they made that, um, and that was awesome because I told it from both sides. Right. The movie, it went back and forth, so it wasn't just like uh, demonizing all the Japanese. It was like, well, these are real people too, and they're making decisions, and they realize, oh, we fucked up. Uh, but it, it was like you know, it's always there's always there's always that person that says we shouldn't do this, right? We shouldn't bomb Pearl Harbor like that. Actually, there was you know some debate about things like that, but now that we they, we bomb, we're kind of stuck. Um, you know, so that that was awesome, and that went all the way through Midway, I believe. Like, so that was like over, like a whole year, I think, of time or year and a half, whatever it was, um, or two years, whatever it was. So that was that Midway, I think, was a movie as well, but I don't remember that as much as Tora Tora Tora. Um, and then um, Braveheart isn't. I like Braveheart, but obviously, the, the people don't really know what the hell happened back then. It's kind of hard to know exactly what happened. With, with William Wallace, you know, he was a guy, but he wasn't doing all that stuff to that extent. So that's a tougher one. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a, of a World War II one, uh, uh, a battle one that I like. Uh, I would just say Band of Brothers again. I, I'd say go towards that. Uh, yeah, you that, always talk about Band of that's Brothers. That's probably the closest you're going to get because they, they interviewed those guys. At the end of that, they, they interviewed those Those guys. Were still the, the one guy, the main guy is still alive. He's been in his like, late 90s by now from New Jersey who's the main character in it. Um, they all interviewed them at the end of the series. This is late 90s, so they were like, by then like in their late 70s. And it's so weird. You see this series with all these guys, then it cuts to the real people that it's based upon. And it's like, holy, it's like a, sh- it's like a shot to the gut. Mm. Like wow, and then they, and then they start getting that misty-eyed, you know, war cry thing. You're like, oh god, I'm gonna lose it. You start crying yourself, yeah, because you're like, oh, I remember him. He, my friend, he died like right next to me in the foxhole or whatever. You're like, oh my god, I can't take it. But that's probably more accurate because I mean, World War II wasn't that long ago. But you talk to the guys that were there. It wasn't glor. It wasn't glorified uh, band of brothers right. at all. It was like this was rough business and bad and random. Like, you see, like, oh, those guys are going to, you know, oh, no, they're, now they're dead. Those are the guys who were following for four episodes, now they're dead. Like, because that's how it was. That's how war was. You didn't know when you're going to go. Uh, what's next here? Uh, God, I want to watch Bad Brothers. I have, a, I have a DVD set, like a tin DVD set. Uh, Uncle Pepperoni. Uh, this is from uh, Josh. Hey, Patty, it's Josh. Quick question. Have you guys ever done the podcast and had to go to the bathroom, like, super bad? And you thought you might piss or shit yourself? Thanks. Yes, it happened to me. I shit myself in first grade. No, no, they said during the podcast. Oh, during the podcast. Yeah. Okay. But because uh, the question, there's a little thing that says, "Teacher, can you go to the bathroom?" May you? But no, I, I'll tell the teacher story. I never have. It, it kind of times. I'm pretty sure you've told this. I'll tell. Story. It, I'll tell it again because it was horrifying. Anyways, yes, I, I generally uh, have to pee very bad at the end of every episode. I'll retell the story where I crap my pants uh, in, in school. <laughs> um, because it never happened again before or after. And it wasn't my fault. Um, it was it was first grade, uh, my Catholic grade school. And it was a, it was like you had 1A, 1B, 1C. You had three classes. Right. For most, I think, for most of the four. I was in 1A. Um, and then 1, uh, 1C was another teacher. It was I remember at the time... I never saw her after this year. Maybe this traumatized her, this event. She was there for about one year, and that was it. 
Uh, she was a younger blonde. Everyone looks super old when you're six years old. Looking back, she's probably like 25, but in my head, my memory, she was like 40. You know what I mean? You, you yeah. can't get ages right when you're that young. Right. Um, she took over the class. I, f- I remember, I think, I think our, our teacher had to go do something, had to go somewhere for something for like a half hour, 20 minutes. This teacher took over. Um, and when our teacher takes over, um, everyone thinks they can get away with things and talk. Everyone started talking more. She got annoyed at all of the kids talking. In the middle of this, I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom. So I'm like, excuse me, uh, can I go to the bathroom? And she just straight said, no, like no. meanly. Like, and I, I was a nice kid. I didn't talk that much in class. Right. I, 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 and I was like, oh my God, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I need to go. You're six years old. Yeah. And then it just happened. And, I never, and you didn't know it was coming. It just, it just happened. Right. And then the girl next to me was like, he stinks. And then it was embarrassing. And then the teacher figured it out. It smells like poo. I think the teacher figured out I made a huge error. Yeah. The teacher realized <laughs> it from the back of the room and then shuffled me out. She said, go to the nurse's office. And then that's, that was my experience. And then never saw the teacher again after that year. Maybe me. Oh, really? I, no, I'm serious. So maybe teaching wasn't for that woman. Yeah. Maybe they realized that that was a bad idea. I let a kid a crap his piss. Thankfully, that didn't, that didn't, um, Stay with me throughout because that can ruin a kid in grade school. Oh yeah, enough kids. That didn't. That was just like no. For, that was it. Was a thing. I'm glad it didn't ruin you. No, but anyway. Sorry, what was I saying? Oh no, on the podcast. No, we usually we usually uh, do our na- nature calls before the podcast. Usually, all right. We got a couple more here. Uh... Ciao, Pastor Leon. I am Luca from Italy. I wanted to say that I really like the podcast and I wanted to ask uh, both of you about the struggles you found in writing the guidebooks. What is the hardest thing you encounter in the writing process? And also in experience with the Patreon blog, because I was thinking to start one to do more writing experience outside the more formal articles of the journalism course I follow. And if both of you have any advice for writing in general, thanks. Arrivederci. Uh, Paisan, Luca. Uh advice for writing in general I, writing is like a tool you have to keep doing it to keep sharp i think for um, the book for me i'll just say real quick it, writing writing uh, towards a collective style is not easy for me um review writing is very specific it's 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 you're writing non-fiction about something that's fiction it, it's uh, it's interesting um it's, it's interesting because a lot of people i think by default uh ha- don't know how to do it well or, or know the style until you get into it. So we, we have we have you know multiple writers, and uh, some have experience, some don't. And even a good writer, someone that is a competent writer, can say, "Yeah, I can I can write a game review." And they really, it's hard to wrap your mind around it if you haven't done it, um, and to, and to really get used to the flow of it and the style of it without falling into traps. Uh, traps like referencing other games, for example. Yes. That's a big trap that happens with professionals, even on websites. They always compare games to other games. You can't do that if you're trying to have the review stand on its own. Otherwise, you got to know about the other games. It's like it's like reviewing a, reviewing a movie saying, well, this movie's like like uh, Forrest Gump. Well, what is Forrest Gump like? I never saw it. You can't do that, uh, especially in, in, in a book that's a, a compendium uh, guidebook. Uh, and yes, and there, there should be not an overall uh, total consistency of of style necessarily because this is the of tone of, of, of how you're reviewing these games you have to keep consistent across a team of writers and that's 
not hard to figure out, but it, you have to get you have to nudge the writers in a certain direction and be like, okay, you can't go this hard on this. You have to be more reasonable. You have to review in its time space, and those and there's also unconscious biases that come across from some writers uh, uh, for for specific genres they don't like. Where it's like, well, if you don't like the genre, you can't criticize the game because of the genre. You have to accept the genre for what it is, and that comes across more often than you think. Where people are like, well, I don't like this game. Well, maybe you don't like the genre. Right, and you shouldn't be reviewing the game, and that's something that comes across as well. Like you can't say, "Well, this fishing game was boring." Maybe that's how the fishing game's supposed to be. It's going to take some time to, to, to reel in a fish. You know what I mean? Sure. Like you can't. You have to separate the two. You have to think, okay, for this genre and its time, is this a good game? Not whether or not I prefer the genre or not. Those are the biggest uh, pitfalls that have been encountered. Uh, there, it's like, and, and plus, making sure you really understand the game's mechanics before you jump in and play it and review it. If you don't understand the game's mechanics, you should not be criticizing the game's mechanics, unless you totally understand the game's mechanics and how it should function as a competent player. That's a big one, especially for like a racing game that's not an arcade racing game. You have to understand that a sim racing game is not an arcade racing game you can just jump in and be good at. You have to learn how to play the game. You have to learn how the, how the cars react. You have to learn how to modify your cars. So these are things that you have to make sure the writer, do you know Do you know how to play the game? Have you taken the time to play it? Have you read the instruction manual? Have you done this? Those are the pitfalls. But in terms of being a good writer, you have to write. You cannot be a stagnant writer. That It, it goes away like anything else. And also, to be a good writer, you have to read. You have to read a lot uh, to be a better writer as well. Uh, a couple more here. That's 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 my that's my uh, master class on on video game uh, review writing right there. That, uh, I'll, I'll do I'll do a whole thing. Uh... Hey Ian, hey Pat, Sebastian from Texas here. Just wanted to ask you guys, what would you do if, say, Pat blew both of your savings at the Atari Casino, and your only option was to start selling off your respective collections? How would you guys go about doing it? What would go first, and what would you desperately try to hang on to? I like the cadence and rhythm of that question. What would go first? What would you desperately try to hang on to? Jesus. Well, he's uh, already sold a chunk of his collection. Yeah, off. so it gets harder for me because I've already really narrowed down my... I, there There are only, like, three things... I try to say there are three things that I still collect. I collect records, collect Game Boy games, black and white mostly, but portable Game Boy games, and I collect PC Engine games. Um, as much as I like the Game Boy, I think that my Game Boy stuff would go first... Um, it's not like it's a lot of it's worth a ton, but I do have some games that are worth 50, 60 bucks, but that's stuff that I like having the little cartridges. I love little game cartridges, like Game Boy size, Switch, too small. Don't find that's them. too small? Don't find them cute or anything like that. You don't want like something that. you can, you can, you can accidentally swallow. That's too small. But I think Game Boy cartridges in particular are just... You get the, the perfect you get nice art on it. I, it, I love them. You I can lo- stack them in your hands. So that's why I collect them also because they oh, were like, cheap. What, like uncured pepperoni? Yes, <laughs> like uncured pepperoni. However, um, the emulation, or the, the, the flash carts for portable systems uh, seem to be pretty much rock solid in terms of what they can run. It would probably be easiest for me to... Uh, Game Boy Flash to do a Game Boy Flash cart, and so I could regain, I could re, I could get that experience again. I think easiest with a Game Boy Flash cart. Um, with CD stuff like the PC Engine, um, it's very difficult because you have to go and find those fairly specific ISOs. You have to go find which them. are out there. They're you just out have to there. hunt them down. You have to yeah. hunt them down, or you rip them yourself for the harder games. It would be a lot more hunting. Um, the the hue card stuff wouldn't be as big of a Honestly, deal, but but the CDI is probably a, probably a torrent for all the 
ISO there might is be. probably. Um, and also, I hear that Super System 3 works very well, but I guess it's not 100%. That's the Terra Onion one that also emulates the CD drive that you can okay. put on the back. So, uh, yeah, I think it would probably be Game Boy stuff. Records would be the last to go, uh, but I really do need to call that collection down a little bit. The records? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of shit in my would, collection. That would I you would, now now it's time wise? Would you piece it out or just sell it to a dealer and, and get less money? But then you get rid of it all at once. If I had to get rid of records, uh, a large chunk of it would be pieced out. You, you take the time. That's the thing. Do you have the time to piece it out? That's the thing. I would not. Obviously, I a lot of the things. I, Any I, record over a hundred, I would piece out. So I bought a lot of a lot of stuff at the swap meet back when the days when I tell Ian, yeah, I went every Saturday and Sunday for like two years straight. I let him. That's so why I call you in the morning and annoy you. But hey, Ian, you want this Snoopy thing? You're like, oh, I go. Back, I'm sleeping. Um, <laughs> my client, it's like eight thirty. Get up. Um, <laughs> no. Um, I bought a lot of stuff, thinking, well, I hate my day job that I quit. I quit my day job. What 2012? Um, I quit my day job. So I bought stuff thinking, well, worst case scenario, I quit my job because it's killing me. As Ian said, made my face gray. I looked gray. You, did, my skin. you looked very gray. Um, I could spend time piecing this stuff out. And that's when it was on the upswing, the value and a lot of stuff. I could sell this stuff piecemeal that I pick up, some of this stuff. I didn't want it for my collection anymore. Um, but that's a lot of time. That's a job to do that. Mm-hmm. That's a job. I have a job. I have multiple. I wear multiple hats. So I don't have the time to do that. So if I had to, though, if I mean, if how desperate am I? Yes, for maybe for like the most expensive stuff. We're talking high three figures, four figure stuff. Yes, that stuff I'd probably maximize because that's a small amount of things. But for the bulk stuff, I mean, if a game's worth a hundred dollars and I have a lot of them, I don't care if I get you know fifty dollars in cash for it, you know, and just get rid of them all at once because my the time is worth money. The time is time is money, um, and I could do that. But if I mean if I mean if I had no money, then yes, you'd have to piece it out and that'd be your job. But I I, I don't want to picture that as being a job selling thousands of games. That sure. seems miserable. There's so much first of all, eBay and PayPal takes like fifteen percent off the off the top right there, and then it's the time, and then you need to deal with people with uh, oh, this the, the corner on this game is off. Like if you if you sell any boxed or seal stuff uh, on on eBay, God bless you, because I remember even selling some stuff where it's like, oh, this is a little bit and it's like there's asshole collectors that want to try to get free stuff from you. There's ones that'll just nitpick you to death. It happened all the time. Back when I did try to sell stuff here and there, that, like we're talking ten years ago. So that's like that. I can't picture doing that again. Any any high grade stuff that I sell, the more I think about it, it would not be eBay. It'd be, it'd be private collectors. It would not be eBay sales. I, I cannot picture selling something for two grand on eBay and then getting into a PayPal dispute over it. I just can't. Oh God. They get potentially taken for a ride. With some sort of fraud thing. I just, you kidding me? Imagine selling a magical chase. Oh no, he sent me a, another game instead. It's like, oh, you fucking kidding me? Like, no. But you hear horror stories happen sometimes with people try to do things like that. Uh, we got one or two more. Uh, here's one here. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Sean from Washington. I remember you guys call, covered the analog digital to analog converter a while back, and I oh, just yeah. wanted to know, do you guys still use CRT TVs or monitors? And what are your general feelings towards the technology? Thanks. The general feeling towards CRTs, they're, they're fine. What do you mean? <laughs> they're fine. I mean, like, if you, can, if, you can, if you have one, you have the consoles to play it, then yeah, the CRT is the way to go. Yeah, That's like the way it was intended. I feel like it's the easiest solution yeah. to a lot of these modern problems, too. If you have the room in your house yeah. for a CRT TV, go get a CRT TV and hook your games up to it. Um, what do I do, use? 
so in the living room, I have a flat screen. Uh, it's not a 4K. It's 1080p um, Samsung that I hook up my PC engine to. I run it through a RetroTINK SCART 2X, and it looks fantastic. Um, but I do hook up... There are systems that I definitely hook up to the uh, CRT TV. Almost every time I want to play something on the Wii or... Uh, on the GameCube via the Wii, I hook it up on the CRT TV. You don't go component instead. Uh, yeah, I just I don't have the component. I don't have stuff for it. It's it's easier for me to just hook it up directly oh, yeah, to the really? CRT TV. Uh, the Saturn looks great on the CRT TV, so sometimes we'll just hook the Saturn up to the CRT TV. We do actually have a CRT and, and we use it. So I have me- I have things that I can use on the HD TV to make them look nice, but I do keep a CRT TV because it's easy to just plug it in, turn it on, and play. Um, the big thing is rhythm games on the PlayStation One. Um, the timing gets all screwed up when you try to play it on uh, an HD TV. It's just off that little, pr- little yeah. couple. So if you want to play like PlayStation One DDR, or if you want to play the Bust to Move games, um, really, there's no other way to do it but a CRT. The original uh, Prap of the Rapper off a disc, you're gonna want to play that on a CRT. It's really that more unplayable. It's, it's, it's very, very bad. Wow, very bad, very hard. Even using like a retro tank and other things. Um, yeah, I, I've never, I've never been able to play certain uh, rhythm games properly on an HD TV. Wow, there you go. CRTs will will never die, never die. All right, that's it for this uh, uh, for this uh, se- session session yeah, of, of voicemails. That's it. We're done, and we're done for the, We're done with the podcast. Thank you so much, everyone. Right, we just hit the two hour mark here. Thought it'd be a quicker one today. I guess not. We went, yeah. What do we go long on? Intro. It, well, it's, it's like me and Ian hanging out. The intro. We, we hang out. We have our uncured bacon. We did like fifteen minutes on college ball. Oh, that's right. Not fifteen minutes, but um. Oh, speaking of uncured bacon, I said that because I bought uncured bacon by accident. I thought my bacon was rotted because it smells. And I was like, that's why they cure bacon, because it fucking smells. But curing, um, is, is pres- it, it, curing is preservation with salt. But also, it gets rid of the smell. There's a bad smell to, to these pork products if you don't cure them as well. Yeah. I literally thought my bacon went bad. I just bought it. Like, why does it smell bad? And I cooked it. I'm like, no, it tastes fine. It's just there's a smell to it that when you cure it, it doesn't have the smell anymore. Uh so never again am I buying uncured bacon, and I guess it's an advantage because it doesn't have all that, the extra. Uh, was it? What, what, how did they, what did they cure it with? Salt. It is salt. Yeah, but it's like I'll, I'd rather have my I'd rather have my bacon that smells like it's rotting. <laughs> I'll take the extra salt. But that's why you get the uncured stuff. You don't. It's, you save on the salt. Yes. But I, but I did read that. Uh, this is now extra napkins. I did read that uncured stuff is still cured. But they use something out of celery to cure it. It's a natural thing that isn't salt based. So, like, it's still, you technically still have to cure it in some way. It's sure. Not, just not salt cured. Not just salt cured. You still have to do it or else the meat can go bad. Right. So, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Interesting curing technology going on there. All right, is that it? That's it. Thanks, everyone. It's fun. Catch, catch me uh, on, on the Twitch. We're having fun every Wednesday. It's, it's my home away from home. Twitch.tv slash country code. All right, that's Ian. It's me. I'm Pat. Try not to get be too critical on these college kids playing basketball. All right, we'll see you later. Bye. <laughs>